0: Everybody likes guns. They just don't know it.
1: Deep inside of the soul, there's a cowboy to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the host and their guests. Hello, and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 225. I am your hostess this evening, Amanda, and with me today I have Mike. Hi, Amanda. Hi, and we also have Thomas.
0: Hi, Amanda.
1: Long time no see, or here, or speak I know. To. What's going on? I honestly
0: <laughs> forgot the last show when I was already like, I don't know, probably a half hour away with the dog, so there's no way I would have made it back. So. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm <okay. laughs> in fairness, the...
2: In fairness, Amanda, I actually saw you two weeks ago.
1: Yes, you did. So. Yes, you did. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep.
1: Um, it was a lovely visit with uh, Mike and Sarah, and uh, Mike had a shoot, where was it, in Kitchener?
2: Uh Waterloo. Or,
1: Waterloo, so we ended up inviting them over for dinner, and of course it was right when that big rainfall hit, so... Um, you know, Josh was working overtime, so basically I just ordered Chinese food and hoped, you know, everybody would be able to show up at some point to eat, so, but it was a good visit, we had a good time, and, uh, thank you so much for the wine, it was delicious, so.
2: I'm glad you enjoyed, and we had a fantastic time, thank you for having us over.
1: Anytime, Thomas, you're next, you gotta get your butt down over here.
0: I know, I've, I've never met you, I've met Josh. I know. I sold Josh a pistol, so he drove all the way out here and picked it up. So,
1: well, <laughs> I got some honey for you. So, oh, me. excellent,
0: excellent. Yes,
1: so, give the me problem some- is a
0: lot of times the stuff is on a Saturdays, and I work Saturdays. So, unless it's on a Sunday or a Friday, it's it's hard.
1: No, I understand completely. So, is the store honey. closed on Sunday, Thomas?
0: Yes.
2: Oh, okay. I was going to say that's really weird that you work a Saturday but never Sundays.
0: That oh, store wow. will never open on a Sunday.
1: Oh well, that's cool.
0: And we get most we get all start stat holidays off and say Labor Day we close on Saturday on Labor Day so the whole store gets an extra long weekend. Oh, that's,
1: well,
3: that's
0: nice. nice. Yeah, it's really nice. People, they're you know they're very thoughtful. Their employees, so it's it's a nice place to work.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Well, speaking mm-hmm. of holidays, it's Thanksgiving. So, uh, just quickly, what does everybody have planned for the weekend? What about you, Mike? Let's start with you.
2: Uh, well, due to unfortunate circumstances, this is actually going to be my first Thanksgiving with no family. I'll say no family outside of Sarah and the kids. So
3: Aww.
2: so I decided to channel my inner mom, and I am planning a feast that is blown way out of proportions for probably about 12 people, even though how there's two adults and two children that are probably not going to eat any of it.
1: That just means amazing leftovers. That's all.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, goodness. Good for you. For weeks you. and weeks. <laughs> weeks and weeks. Come on. That's great. Yep. Uh, well, I hope you guys enjoy it, And I'm sorry that you can't meet up with your family. But it, sometimes it works out that way, right? So, yeah. How, uh, about like, you?
2: How about you, Amanda? What are your plans?
1: Well, originally, um, like we like to trade off within my family members to see... Uh, so that we're uh, somebody different is hosting each time so I hosted Easter but my mom really really wanted uh, Christmas this year and my other sister hasn't finished her renos and the other ones in New York so there was no way we were going there so I ended up with the the short end of the stick there but that's okay so it was originally supposed to be my mom My dad and my sister, and then we made arrangements for all four kids to be here. But then we got a a surprise from my sister from New York. She's on her way down. Um, They got their passports back from the U.S. Embassy. I can't remember what they were doing with it, but they couldn't cross the border without them. Um, Because U.S. citizens can come here, but we can't go there. At least not driving anywhere. So how
0: long were they detained without their passports?
1: They weren't detained. It had some well, I know, but
0: they couldn't travel. So how long? before?
1: Oh, they it, it's, it's been months, okay. if I recall. But it had something to do with their taxes and being able to register for the child tax benefit down there. Um, they I don't know. They they were back and forth with the government trying to get the some sort of program set up for them because they're now permanent residents. So, um, I know it had something to do with that. So it was a very frustrating process, but it like their, um, tax revenue agency worked along with the U S embassy to deal with this whole passport thing. So it ended up being like this extra long process. I don't know, ridiculous to say the least, but anyway, we're just really glad that they were able to make it. They all had to get COVID tests naturally, and they have to get one when they go back. But we're really happy that they are able to come, because I haven't seen my nieces in almost two years. So, really excited to have them, but it's going to be a full house. So, I have been That well, sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. I've been cleaning, and tomorrow I'll be cooking. So, this should be fun. But my mom's really great. She takes a lot of the um, – like, she'll split the jobs in half with me. So, she's doing – a good half and then I asked my sister to bring desserts so we're good to go so anyway what about you Thomas
0: we're not going anywhere um we're thinking probably Chinese food for Thanksgiving this year that's Carrie's favorite so you know everybody lives so far away and nobody's place is wheelchair accessible so we usually have somebody here but this year we said no we don't want anybody this year
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. There's will be other
0: years, right? So yeah, if Terry's still recovering. Her leg's still pretty pretty sore. If we have to go say to her sister's place, she has to transfer to a manual chair, and then I can't take her down the stairs. So the guys have to do it. And it's really inconvenient for her. So these days, you know, if the place isn't accessible, we don't go. Fair
1: enough. So well, I hope you guys. So enjoy. Chinese
0: food, she'll like that. Yeah. And Definitely. I know she wants to take a, a drive up to the reserve to stock up on her supply of gummy bears, too. So she's mentioned that for Thanksgiving, too.
1: Oh, awesome. Now, what, do you guys have what, a go-to place for Chinese?
0: Uh, there's a place in town. Oh,
1: very she good. Has,
0: she has all the menus. She knows everything that she wants to order and everything. So. Oh, perfect. Is it the place by the river? No, it's actually in town. You're oh. talking about the buffet place. We've eaten there before. It's, it's There's better food in town.
2: Yeah, I remember the buffet being a big hit when I used to go to high school there and we would go there after football games and you know players like me you know eat a couple plates and then there's players that are linemen that eat you know everything
3: <laughs>
0: I enjoyed the food there but uh, they rebuilt it it burnt down when they rebuilt it and we, I ordered something from there once and we weren't happy with it so
1: yeah. oh dear well I hope you guys enjoyed so it your dinner and uh happy thanksgiving everybody
2: happy thanksgiving so, to you as well
1: oh thank you now let's get to the good stuff what if we do in guns for the why well, so for thomas it'll be no for everybody it's been about a month so we should have some stuff to talk about so just thomas, a bit. yeah just a little bit so thomas why don't you uh start fill us in
0: um Okay, so I did, did actually go shooting. I got that uh, Grand Power 10 millimeter. I was so excited about it. trigger was nice. Everything was really nice. Uh, first thing, I ordered three extra magazines, <clears throat> excuse me, with the gun, and somebody decided to w- punch witness holes in it with the drill. So all the magazines now have indentations and metal burrs all along inside the whole body. They're, they are not usable, all three of them. Uh, Grand Power is out of business, so everything was final sale so i wasn't happy about that um i was speaking to 10x peter dawson uh we become dog park buddies and he's gonna let me a set of diamond files and he suggested a hockey stick to bend uh, the bodies back out because when they drilled them they put indentations and then all the metal burrs went inside so the, the springs don't go they get snagged up and everything so it'll be quite a work to fix them so hopefully I'll get it running, but the one that ticked me right off, So when, when I actually went to shoot the gun, trigger was fine, fired fine, but every shot the magazine falls out. So I was kind of whole ticked with the whole ground power thing, so I just threw everything in the case and I haven't looked at it for three weeks. I'm thinking somebody just the, the, the magazine has been switched to a lefty side, and I think somebody just installed the magazine uh, release sorry, backwards, and the spring backwards, so I just have to pop up. And it should be an easy fix. Uh, but it, uh, it, 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 You're saying, Mike?
2: I was going to say, that's like the magazine falling out should have nothing to do with birds being on the inside of the gun.
0: No, two different things. Yeah. Okay. So the, the magazines were were toast and the gun itself did not function properly.
1: Oh dear.
0: So I, I brought one mag, it came with one good mag. So I brought the one good mag to the range. And every time I pulled the trigger, the mag fell out (laughs) and I'd (laughs) slam it in there and it's seated. It's not coming out. Right. It's, it's in there nice and snug. And I pull the trigger and the mag falls out. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I'm thinking somebody, somebody, I noticed that the mag release was on the other side. So I have a feeling that uh, somebody switched for lefty and put the spring in because that's the nagging stuff. I don't figure out why it would come out when you pull the trigger because it's seated before. So
2: well, here's my I was thought. Just so t- what if as you're squeezing the trigger, you're squeezing your grip a little bit more and you don't realize that you're actually releasing it?
0: That's what I thought. So I switched hands. And I, made a it. A conscious, and I made a conscious effort of just using the tip of my finger and not having any contact. I then mean, I might uh, lembrish it when I did it, and it still fired and the mag still popped out. Oh, without geez. any <laughs> contact with the magazine release. So I'm not a happy grand power camper these days. Um, I think so. I did get... I also finally got some 20-gauge slugs, and I did test fire the Winchester SXP pump-action shotgun. Um... I wasn't happy with the accuracy with the slugs. So it's they were foster slugs. It was it's a smooth bore, so uh, I've got dedicated slug guns anyway. I was just curious because I can't test it with birdshot inside, so I figured I'd get some slugs just to do some function tests and it ran fine. But slugs not so good for accuracy. It's kinda hard to get any type of accuracy with a single bead.
2: Sorry, what kind of uh, slug did you say you shot? <laughs>
0: the the rifled slugs. Because it's okay. a smooth bore?
2: Okay. I I, I misheard you completely.
0: Sorry. But that's what the only sh- I brought my rim fires and I played around what I have to do is that I've, I've been re- I've been requested to shoot a bag of potato chips for one of these um, EDC gear forms that I belong to and I can since I'm an employee but if I'm thinking if I shoot that all the crap is going like, to fly up and inside the uh, inside the tracks for the target return system. So I'm going to have to devise some type of cardboard little bunker to contain all the crap that I'm going to make. And then you can't use the broom from behind the firing line downrange because downrange is so contaminated. So I have to be my own broom so I can clean up all the stuff because if the maintenance guy comes in the next day and he finds potato chips all over the floor, he's going to have a meltdown. So i got to sweep it all up and I'm going to do some slow motion videos of uh, bags of potato chips exploding. So we'll see.
1: That'd be a lot
2: of fun. Are you going to do various calibers or are you just planning on one?
0: Uh, I'll probably do the 9, the 10, and the 45. Okay. I'm only going to shoot three bags because I can't make a mess. (laughs) But I figure if, if I shroud it with cardboard, like a complete 360 around it, it should just drop right to the floor. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Those things are mostly full of air, anyway. I don't know what's gonna. I don't know if it's just gonna punch a hole right through and nothing.
0: Well, that's what I'm thinking too, but people want to see. And I've never blown up potato chips. I've blown up beer cans. They blow up real good.
2: Yeah, I would. Th- I would think if you shot full, at full length- beer cans. I would think <laughs> if you shot it lengthway, that would be your best chance to like have the pressure build up inside. But even then, I don't know.
0: I think it'll just melt a hole through it. I think it'll just punch a hole right through it. But we'll see. And what else? So I'm back to work. So what we've done on the first day. I only I only work Saturdays right now. So on the first day, what we did, there was quite there was a few outstanding uh, range rentals where people had purchased certificates to shoot. So we we backfilled all those. So we and those because there's quite a few people that wanted to wait till the COVID restrictions was over. So we honored those and we took them back. And I did the one group. So I was busy for one day shooting. And what I did, it was. Basically, I had two people. and I had a whole hour where normally I only have 30 minutes. So then I had to go in and decontaminate everything, all the guns, all the gear. It was, it was nice having the extra time. I had enough time to do it, but it was it was kind of different because I'm so used to working with with another person and being really really busy. It was still fun, but I'm so used to my buddy Austin being there and when I, we and we'd be just slamming groups of people through like, constantly. But uh, with COVID and he's gone, he's graduated, he's got a career now in what he went to school for. So I'm in there by myself, which is fun, but it's kind of not the same, but it's still fun. But what we've done until because all the uh, passport restrictions are coming up, we are going to implement a vaccine system for anybody coming in. And it's basically because of me, because of my health because I'm in the high-risk category, so we want to ensure that I'm protected from anybody that's coming into the range. That's the only way we're going to start the rentals back up, because the owner is very concerned about my health, which I really appreciate. So we're going to have the whole passport system, and then it'll go on the website and stuff. But because... So in the meantime, I've just been working inside, um, doing sales. It's been really, really busy. Hunting season's coming up. Um, I'm grateful that uh, our store our owners the good thing about our store it's a hunting store so we have all the hunting calibers in stock and the owner's is a great a big hunter so we ordered stuff well before a lot of the stuff started happening so we still have a lot of stuff in stock we've still got 20 gauge slugs 12 gauge slugs thirty thirties, 270s are still in there the the specific weight ones are, are starting to go um the Accutips Remington Accutips—they've disappeared. I don't think Remington's making them anymore. But we've got lots of like for hunting shotgun. There's lots of slugs. Uh, a Customer came in and told me he was at NAS in uh, Niagara. Their stock is completely empty. No bot, no ammo. Not one box of ammo on the shelf anywhere in the store. Oh
3: wow.
0: So there are there are some stores starting to experience shortages. You know, I have a guy come in today and he wanted a three fifty seven three fifty seven Weatherby which is ultra, ultra rare. And we actually had two boxes, but we sold them the day before. So if you've got anything that you know that's unique, you've got to start getting it well before season starts or you're going to be very disappointed. I Give guess. it another couple of weeks, you're going to start seeing stuff drying up really fast locally. Mm-hmm. Canadian Tire hardly had anything. I now, per, when per does it start
1: to restock after the season? Because I felt like it took a really long time last time.
0: It really did because there was a shortage. The The U.S. election really caused uh, a shortage in the first place. And then COVID happened. So when yeah. COVID happened, then you actually had production shutdowns. So Prior to that, it was hoarding. Then you had production shutdowns. Now you've got hoarding again. So the Canadian market is just a very small portion of the U.S. market. So they'll fill their U.S. orders first and we get whatever's left over, basically.
1: Fair enough. Now, before COVID and before the elections, what would be an average restock time to after the season's done? What would you
0: say? As a hunter, I would if you. I would start looking in April, May. In the new year, start looking.
1: That's my Contact
0: your local dealer. They can actually, uh, like for example, we're, we can tie into North Silva, for example, and we can see what they have in inventory. We can see what they have in stock. As long as we have, you know, as long as they, they have it, we can get it. Some of the stuff we can order. Some of the stuff, some back order. You know, it's... There's several distributors that you have to go through. So, as a as a consumer, I I would when you go if you find it, buy as much as you can.
3: Absolutely.
0: Instead of buying what if you're going to get your first rifle, instead of buying one box of ammunition, buy five boxes of ammunition because you're going to use at least a box sighting it in, and then you've got your ammunition for probably the rest of your hunting career because it's not going to last. It'll last if you store properly, and then you're hedging inflation because it will go up in price. So.
1: Smart, smart thoughts there, Thomas. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, had a couple
0: of guys, I had a couple guys come in today in order, walk out with 2,000 rounds of 22s. Like people are buying them in, in lots of 2,000 these days because we have them.
1: 2,000. Well, I guess that would be the smart That's thing. That's four
0: bricks. Yeah, yeah four
1: I've bricks. been meaning to go in and buy some more, but we just haven't had the time. I'm busy, busy, so. Uh what about you, Mike? What have you been up to in guns?
0: Holy This is gonna take a while.
2: I was gonna say I I missed last week, I missed the week before that, and I think I actually missed the episode before that. So I don't think I've been on since like the beginning of August. So I've shot a few matches. Um (laughs) it actually ended up being a little bit of a slow time. Um I shot my so the first match I shot was Peterborough Ipsic level three match was fantastic good time um we're going pretty much that was that was a amazing time the only downside was that originally there were something like nine or eleven i want to say revolver shooters had signed up but due to a whole pile of series of unfortunate events of and i know a bunch of them uh, some of them got hurt like nothing major but they just got hurt and they're like i'm not coming out and shooting you know with a bad leg or something like that And and it was also in like the middle of a heat wave. So I think a couple of the older gentlemen decided that, you know, it's better to not be out on the range for like, you know, eight, 12 hours, somewhere in that range, um, in that heat. So unfortunately, I I can't remember how many there was in the end. I want to say about five revolver shooters, but, uh, it was a great time. Um, I did really well, um, yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, I almost didn't make chronograph, which shocked me. Um, so my buddy who I chronograph with and everything we, we shot together, he missed chronograph and like he didn't make it. So he ended up just shooting for fun. Um, I don't know if it's good or not, but we found out at the end of the day, it was like our last bay. So Some people would say that's good because it means that at least you got to enjoy shooting the whole match up until that point as if it mattered. Some people would say it's the other way around because if you know that your score doesn't count, it doesn't count in the end, um, you might be more willing to... You know, try things that you wouldn't normally try, you know, pushing a little bit harder, going a little bit faster, you know, maybe taking that risky stage or, you know, with like a revolver, you, you never want to run out standing still and have to do a standing reload just because a revolver, it takes, you know, three seconds to do a reload, which is significantly longer than with a semi. Um, so you might take more risk just to, you know, just for fun, because you know, that match doesn't matter. But uh, even when I stepped up to the chronograph, um, so the way they do it, they shoot the first three shots and they take your average and they see that average makes chronograph. And my first three came in at a chronograph power factor of 124.8 or something like that. And all I had to do was get to 125. So I was right on the line. Luckily, when they shoot another three and they take your top three after that, out of the six. um, And luckily with that, I made chronograph, so I was fine. But it made it made us very weary that something was off with our chronograph because him and I both test with the same chronograph, same days, everything else. Um, So when I actually got home, I tried chronographing it again, but uh, apparently I don't know what happened when we chronographed last time, but this time, yeah, I was right at like 125, barely making it. So I had to quickly reload a whole pile of ammo because I was supposed to shoot uh, the Quebec provincials the next weekend um, on Labor Day weekend. So I had to redo everything, run out to the range, get a chronograph, you know, come back, reload 500 rounds or something like that for the match. All of this just to have like the absolute worst week at work in my, uh, like that I've ever had. And pretty much I just said, you know what, I don't even want to go shoot this match anymore. I just want a weekend off now because i was gonna you know you drive up there you spend a night you shoot the match um at the quebec provincials you have to volunteer so we had to spend another night i'd have to go volunteer and then i wouldn't get home till late saturday and i just thought you know what i'd rather just have my weekend back because that that's just what i needed at that time and that's when i started realizing that you know what i just getting burnt out a little bit from shooting
0: i've just been shooting so much um gets to you after a while, especially all the travelers.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, what I realized is usually the shooting season starts in like the end of May, beginning of June, somewhere in that area. But with the lockdown we had in the fall or spring, the shooting season never really started till July. And I kind of realized that normally when the shooting starts, season starts a month or two earlier, that lull or that kind of getting burnt out happens, you know, beginning of August, end of July, which also happens to be when I stop doing a lot of shooting. Because I try and section off a part of my summer to, you know, not be dedicated to shooting and spend some time, you know, going camping, seeing family, doing all, you know, everything else outside of shooting. So I realized, yeah, I didn't have that little bit of a midsummer break this time. And I think that's what kind of caught up with me. Um. So yeah. Um. After that, uh, a few weeks can we, later, can we
0: backtrack for a sec? Though you, yes. you said you did very well. How well did you do the match? I came first. Excellent. See, Ooh. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I and mean, he said, "I did well." Yeah. No, he, he won the
3: match. He's not.
0: Say <laughs> okay. Congratulations. <laughs> Stay
2: humble. <laughs> well, it's funny. So I know one of the guys who he had shot earlier because he's a staff. Um, so he would hang it around and he was following me around. Hey, you want to know your score? Do you want to know how you're doing? And like, no, I don't want to know how I'm doing. You know, it will get in my head, you know, so I just don't want to, want to know. And he was tracking it the whole way along. And I had talked to him, I think like one or two bays before. So like three or four stages were left, were left in the match. And he said, I looked at your score. You want to know how you're doing? You want to know how you're doing? And I found out, apparently I was like, with not even shooting the last few stages, I was already at like 80% of the winner. So it didn't take much to uh, get past, to get, get past that point to, to claim the victory. So that was good. I had a lot of fun. Um, so a few weeks later, I ended up back in Peterborough to shoot the i post, the i regional postal match. So Canada normally has a regional match for i um, but this year because of COVID and traveling restrictions and everything else, they decided to make it a postal match, which I thought was actually a pretty good idea because i is taking off out in BC and obviously people weren't going to be willing to fly back and forth wherever you held it. Um, so yeah, so it's this postal match. I can't remember. I think it's six or seven stages. Um, but it was, it was a good match. It was, I was quite impressed by it um usually postal matches are very much like classifiers there are a lot of just stand and deliver um meaning that like you just stand in one spot and you shoot whatever array of target usually there's never anything moving because you know one club swinger is not the same as the next and then that could be an unfair advantage and stuff like that and there were no moving targets had plenty of steel they had um everything when you were shooting was shooting from a box but they had like one stage had like five or six boxes so yes you were shooting from a box but you were by no means standing still and just doing an entire stage from one box um, which does really play in into it and it was good um, I bombed like about the second stage in like real bad and I was talking to one of the guys that was in my squad that was going to be one of my biggest competitors and yeah I went down something like 20 seconds on him at, after that stage now I'll give it to him He started shooting open and he said he started shooting open because his eyes were getting too bad for the iron sight. And holy smokes, it is like seeing a whole new shooter. He is just on fire right now. And he, I managed to, if you take out that one, like negative 20 second stage, it would have been, you know, a five, 10 second race, which would have been, you know, who's going to win kind of thing. But no, because of that 20 seconds, he blew me out of the water. Um, But no, it was a good match. Um, Had a good time. Um, yeah, I, I, give kudos to, uh, on, I can't remember the Canadian rep out in BC who actually set up this whole thing. I think he did a fantastic postal match. I'd had, I'd say it's the best postal match I've ever shot. So it was great. Um, and Sarah actually shot that with me, which was tons of fun. I always like, like it when Sarah can come out and shoot with me. Um, yeah. And then the next day we came home and I shot an IDPA match out at USC. Uh, that match went well. I'm trying to remember. I don't think anything really big happened at that match. I didn't do particularly well, but I didn't do bad either. So, I mean, that's a win, I guess I was shooting. So Saturday I shot the revolver Sunday. I shot my Q five. So, you know, I probably should have dry fired a little bit before going to that match when you're switching guns, but me being me, of course I didn't do it. And, you know, I paid the price for that. Um, Next
0: You would have dry fired. I thought you would have.
2: You know what it was, though? Um, It was shooting all day Saturday out in the sun, you know, doing a three hour car ride home. And I'm trying to remember, I think we got home and I think I spent, you know, the next three hours cutting the grass or something like that. So, like, you know, I was just toast at the end of the day. And then I didn't get up. You know, I already had to get up at like 6 or 7 in the morning, so I didn't really feel like waking up at 4 or 5 just to get a some dry fire in. Like I said, that was completely my own fault, though. So hopefully we can remedy that in the future. Um, so yeah, and then the weekend after that, I shot the Ipsic Provincials in Waterloo. Another. How fan- was that? It was another. It was a fantastic match. I've never shot... So I've shot some level 3 Ipsic, but this was my first time going to Provincials.
0: Um, like, was that a level 4?
2: Uh, no, I, th- I think it was still technically a level three. I, okay. I don't quite understand the IPSC, you know, levels, but it, I mean, it was, oh, it was like 15 stages or something like that. But I mean, it was fantastic. Everything, like the long stages you had to think about, even like the short stages where there's only eight targets and the, like, it should be super simple. And it's like, oh, I see at least two practical different ways I can shoot this eight, eight, like eight shot stage which is great because lots of times when you when you have to incorporate a lot of small stages, they kind of just become repetitive. They just become the same thing over and over again. Um, but no, I thought it was a fantastic match. Um, I shot on the Friday simply because my buddy wanted to shoot on the Friday and I said, whatever, I got the whole week off. I'll shoot a day earlier than usual. Um, and we actually ended up lucking out. I think that was the only day they had no rain or they had so, like that was the only day that like it spit for like, 20 minutes in the morning and that was it every other day they had rain they had wind it was cold but yeah so we had actually a fantastic day
0: uh, what was the uh, entrance fee for the match
2: i don't remember i'm gonna guess somewhere between two and three hundred dollars i
1: don't know yeah, last one yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: i, I what?
0: Last... sorry go ahead I'm saying it's probably close to 300 if it's a a level three provincial match. It's a lot of money to enter the matches. Oh, yeah. But there's some great prizes you can get on the prize table, though.
2: Yeah. Um, That's the only thing that... So I appreciate that Ipsic had a lot more people and they run a lot more multi-day matches. Um, But that is one thing that I kind of, I guess you could say, like about IDPA, is outside of the worker squad, everyone shoots on the same day which means that the majority of people have the same weather, the same conditions, So it's a lot easier to compare everyone's score. Like, you know what I mean? No one can say, well, it poured buckets my whole day. That's why I did bad. That's why I didn't win, right? Um, And the other nice thing is at the end of the match, you find out who wins and the prize table's there. People win prizes. You get to go home with it. But with these multi-day matches, unless you happen to be there on the last day and choose to stay right to the end of the day for the banquet or whatever they're holding at the end, you don't get to see the prize table. You don't really get to see all the all the good stuff, I guess you could say, right? So
0: Yeah. I think the problem is there's just the volume of shooters. They don't have a choice, but they have to break it into multi days. So that yeah, that really affects everybody's yeah performance yep.
2: and that's fine and you know what i think it's great because that shows that there's so many shooters in ipsic that they need to do that right which is fantastic it shows that there's a lot of shooters there's a lot of interest there's a lot of people who want to be competitive who are willing to pay like you said thomas that close to 300 hundred dollar entrance fee you know what i mean it is alive and well which is great to see right so i can't really fault it for that but it is just one of the unfortunate side effects of having a multi-day major match like that um yeah. but it. There at the Chrono, I made it, no problem. I think somewhere between one thirty 130 and one thirty five, which is, you know, my comfort level. Um, so I was happy about that. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm just gonna go forward with just loading. And it was only like point one of a grain I went up. So I mean, I was so close.
0: Um so use the revolver and the at the provincials? Yes, I did. And Perfect.
2: this this I, is the unfortunate there's only three there's only two revolver shooters. No, which I was disappointed in. Yeah, um, <laughs> the thing with the, the reason why I think there are so many revolver shooters in Peterborough is Peterborough actually had a lot of revolver shooters, and so does Kingston. So I think because of the proximity of it, more revolver shooters were just willing to drive there, whereas not all of them were willing to drive all the way down to Waterloo. Um,
0: but yeah I, yeah, I found when I when I was doing it, I often I was the only one, or maybe one other person, who was shooting a revolver in Ipswich. Yeah.
2: And my buddy was supposed to shoot revolver with me, but he said, and I don't blame him. He looked at it and he said, hey, dude, there's only three revolver shooters. said, I'm switching over to production because, you know, he'd you ra- rather shoot production and shoot with more people. And I was like, yeah, I understand. I've learned that I actually enjoy, I just enjoy shooting my revolver more than I enjoy shooting semis. So I was like, all right, like you do what you do. I'm still just going to compare myself to the top shooter, regardless of how many revolver shooters there are anyway. So Whatever, um, but yeah. So I won that. Um, but one thing I was really happy with is my goal was to come at least fifty percent of the overall match winner. So that includes the open shooters, the people who are showing up to a to a pistol match with a rifle, and all those people. I I think I came somewhere between fifty eight and fifty nine percent.
0: Excellent. So, so
2: I Excellent. was when I saw how and like. Uh, now I can't remember and I uh, I should should have pulled it up before we started recording but yeah I I was so happy with how I did um like I looked at guys that I know like guys that I shoot with in other matches uh, other places and I know I know roughly how I should compare to them and I was quite happy that I was only like two places behind one guy that I was like oh boy like you know he's a good shooter so it, it it really you know it was it was a good match I had a lot of fun like I said it was a great match there was a lot of different uh it was not the same thing over and over again. It, there were so many different variations. Uh, the match was run really well. They had lots of SOs. Um, yeah, it, it was just a fantastic match. There were, there were no issues with it. I had a great time. We even got out like an hour early. So, I mean, you can't complain when you get out early, which was, which was great because it, it gave us an extra hour to uh, get over to uh, Josh and Amanda's house. Where they... So did,
0: what did, did you win anything? Gun
2: wise, uh, uh, no, I'm gonna guess no because I never got an email or anything about anything, so I'm gonna guess I didn't win anything. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, after that, went over to Josh and Amanda's house where Amanda welcomed us and promptly fed us. Which I mean, who can't be uh, upset about being fed when you walk in the front door? Yeah. So, and we had a great night. And I, I had every intention. I was like, you know what? This is gonna be fantastic. All four, like, there's four of us together. I, I even brought my microphone. I didn't bring it in the house because I was like, oh, I'll wait and see if Josh shows up and how much time there is and stuff like that. But I was, I was all thinking like, yeah, we're gonna record an episode here. I say live. I air quote live. I really just mean that we're in person. um And then yeah, we just, we just kept talking and like. Oh my gosh! Didn't I just, shut up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, as you would expect, a group of people who do a podcast together didn't shut up. So, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> it was a great
1: conversation. We, it, it was a good time. I don't,
2: I don't think we left your house till like one in the morning or something.
1: It was after one. I couldn't believe it. I was just—we kind of looked at it. And we were like, "Oh my gosh, it's quarter after one. What's that?
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, <laughs> And
2: that's
0: a long drive up. home, Mike. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. we, we, we,
2: had, we only had to go back to Waterloo, which wasn't bad. That was about an hour or so. So that wasn't yeah. too bad. I mean, especially for me, because Sarah made the mistake of saying that I could drink so she would drive. So, <laughs> you know, so she had to drive. And it was it was a good thing because, you know, just as Amanda fed me food, Josh fed me alcohol. And yeah, I did yeah. not have been driving home. Um, but no, it was a fantastic time.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, it was great to finally meet you in
1: person yes it totally was it was really cool because you're exactly who i picture you to be but also slightly different so but for the most part like the way you talk and the way the way you are your personality is very real as what people get on the show and i find that that's awesome um uh, because i was like is he gonna be different i don't know (laughs) this this means i'm gonna scare
0: her then when she meets me
1: everybody's got their thing, right? And, oh, and Sarah was just a sweetheart. I just, I loved you guys so much to coming, and I'm so glad you guys came. I felt bad that you had to drive as far as you did. If I was uh, smart, I would have cleaned out one of the boys' rooms or the girls' rooms and you guys would have had a bed for the night, but uh, next,
3: time. It, it,
1: next time. It was,
2: it was alright, you know. Got back to the hotel. Sarah wanted to go to St. Jacob's the next morning anyway, so.
1: Oh, to the market, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh,
1: Smart,
2: smart. Yep. And then, uh, so a week after that, um, so I went from like not shooting a match for like three weeks straight or something like that to shooting matches three weeks. I shot five matches in three weeks. Or Actually, no, you could say two weeks plus a day or two. Um, but I ran an IDPA match uh, at our club. So uh, we did set up. I shot on Friday. We shot the main match or everyone else shot the match on Saturday. And then we converted the match to an I-Corps match on Sunday morning and we shot I-Corps Sunday. Um, it was, it was good. Um, had a good time. Uh, my buddy randomly signed up in CCP and IDPA, which is a concealed carry pistol. They came out with this division a few years ago and it was meant to be to, I know we can't get a lot of these guns, but it was meant to be like the M and P shield. It was meant to be a more realistic carry gun. Um, than, you know, cause I mean, how many people are actually carrying a steel frame Walter, you know, with a five inch barrel on an outside the waist holster, right? Like no one, I imagine not very many people are concealed carrying that in the States, but I'm sure there are some, but this was meant to be more like the subcompact or compact size guns to, uh, yeah. So people could bring out like their actual carry gun. So because he signed up for that, I thought, you know what? I haven't shot my P 239 I think it is. Yeah. It's a little nine millimeter. Um, I knew it fit in that category. So I decided to shoot that. Um, of course, because I was so busy from, uh, you know, just shooting Waterloo and getting back and uh, getting ready for this match, I didn't do enough dry fire. Uh, otherwise, I would have found... Well, actually, no, I wouldn't have found this out from dry firing, but I would have found it from live firing. I Just the way I hold the gun now, uh, I held down the slide, slide lock, so it never locked back. So the first stage or two, you know, kind of took me by, you know, what's going on? Why didn't my gun go off? After that, I just figured, you know, just trust the count in your head when you hit eight, do a, or well, yeah, when you hit eight, do a reload and you know, you'll be fine. Uh, just rack the slide after and you'll be good. Um, but it was fun. I used my inside the waistband holster because it's the only one I had. And I thought, well, if I'm using inside the waistband holster, let's shoot this, like I'd actually carry it. So I just, untucked my shirt and just put it over top of my gun. I said, yep, I'm ready to go. So not to big surprise because of all these, uh, not being prepared or practicing these, uh, these fun little <laughs> things. I didn't do the greatest, but I had a ton of fun, uh, cause I was shooting with the, you know, guys I really like shooting with and they're a lot of fun. So it was a good time. Um, the main match went fine. Uh, we actually didn't get very much rain there. We were originally calling for like 10 to 5 to 10 millimeters just in the morning. And we were like, oh, this could be rough. But it ended up just being like a sprinkle all day long. You know, only puddles in the low spots. Nothing real bad. Uh, then the next day, came back for the I-Corps match. Apparently, it rained more overnight because we had a lot more puddles. But luckily, nothing too bad for the match. Like nothing where anyone was running or stopping. So that was good. The only difficulty was there were one or two targets where it was like, all right, who's wearing rubber boots. You're going to go patch those targets because no one else wants to walk through the, you know, ankle deep water. Um, but yeah, so the i match went great. Uh, had lots of fun. I, I did win that one, um, but it was awesome. great to see it. It was great to see everyone again, because this was the last i match of the year. So, you know, I'm not going to see a lot of these guys probably till next May or something like that. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and those, that, that was the last two matches that I plan on running this year. So I am I am done for the year for running matches. Um, but there are still there's only there's only a couple of matches left that I plan on going to. Um, I kind of just decided that you know what, I'm not going to shoot a lot of IPSIC matches. I'll shoot the one at my club just because I'll help out. You know, the guy that runs the Ipsy club, he helps me out. I'll help him out because I know he's just there in the Ipsy club and he just, he needs, he needs more help. Right. He needs more volunteers. So I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, what would be fun for just an end of year, you know, just for fun. Let's shoot PCC. So anyone who doesn't know that's pistol caliber carbine, um, I personally don't think that people should be shooting rifles in a handgun match, but those are the rules. And I thought, whatever, these are just fun matches. Let's just try it out. And then I found out that, oh, the guy who runs the UpStick match, he doesn't do PCC. And I mentioned it to uh, my friend who runs the IDPA matches that I'm going to go to. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, they, they stopped allowing PCC just because there weren't enough people doing it. So I thought, all right, well, if no one's doing PCC, I guess I'll do the other red dot game. and I'll do carry optics. So I threw a red dot on my uh, Walter steel frame. And this week I've been dry firing it. And I realized after about day three, I was like, oh. I'm about halfway through my, my dry fire and I have been able to pick up the red dot every time on my draw. So I was quite happy with how fast I was able to transition from... an uh, uh, What am I thinking of? Uh, steel open sights or whatever. Iron, iron totally, sights. Iron sights. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't <laughs> think of the word. Um, I was quite happy with how fast I was able to switch over from iron sights over to a red dot. Um, but I mean, oh my goodness, it's... I, it's it's interesting shooting a red dot. I knew a few things going into shooting it that, you know, don't try and hold the red dot still because it's never going to stay still. You have to almost ignore some of your imperfections, even though how you want to correct them, because the red dot shows you every single little mistake. When I pull that trigger, like the dot moves, it doesn't even, it doesn't move out of the A zone on an IPSIC target, but it moves. And... Like One part of me is like, okay, I need to practice my trigger pull so that dot doesn't even move when I pull the trigger. And I'm like, that's not realistic. That's never going to happen in a match. I'm not going to, if I'm shooting that slow, then I'm not going to win because I'm just shooting too slow. So it just takes time getting used to it. Um, I have tried a few things just uh, playing around. I did the uh, I've heard of this before and I, I uh, the friend at the I-Corps match who switched to open, so he has a red dot and he uh A friend of his had 3D printed him a cover for the front of the red dot. So what that means is you can't actually see through the glass. And that sounds really weird. But what it does is it forces you to open both eyes. So, I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers that trick when you're a kid in school or whatever. You take a roll, like a a toilet paper roll, and you put it beside your hand, and you keep both eyes open, and you have one eye looking through the roll and one eye looking at your hand, and it looks like you have a hole in your hand. Well, that's the same. Actually, that's a good idea.
0: That's a good idea, though.
2: That that's the same idea. So you can't yeah. you, you cannot look at the dot. Because if you look at the dot, you won't see anything. Because it just there's a piece of black on the other side of it. Um, I've heard that's more of a training thing than an actual unit in a match thing, but I I've been training, so I did that, um, and it's been working out great. It forces me to keep both eyes open. So I'm really hoping that that will transition back when I go back to iron sights, because so. Silly me, I think, oh, I'm going to dry fire, you know, my carry optics gun with a red dot. Well, next weekend, I'm, host, I'm, doing a, I'm doing a revolver course up in Midland with Jay again. And I'm thinking, why am I shooting a semi-auto with a red dot when next weekend I have to do a course on revolvers with, with iron sights? So, <laughs> but I guess, I guess we'll get the crash course on how well it transitions, but uh, no, it's been, it's been going pretty good. I'm quite happy with it. I can, I can definitely see why people like shooting a red dot. Um, I have to actually get out and shoot it live to really get the feel of how much that dot's going to move around with the recoil. And, you know, will I be able to see the dot after the recoil or am I going to start searching for it? I, I, I don't know. These are all questions that I'll have to answer with live fire.
0: But, See, I've always, I've always kept both eyes open with the red dot. Always. That's how I was taught to use it. So it, yeah. it's, it was a transition I never had to do.
2: Yeah, and that's just it, right? When I, I always try, like uh, back when I shot, back when we could shoot AR-15s, um, I always tried to keep both eyes open when I shot my red dot. But I, I don't know. Maybe I was closing one eye. Maybe I would not Maybe I was only keeping both eyes open for the red dot because I, you know, my brain knew, oh, red dot, keep both eyes open. But
0: but I have a difficult time shooting open sights with both eyes open. I can do it, but I have to really focus to, to get myself to do it.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing that I found as I practice. I can keep both eyes open easily up to like 10 yards. But I find as soon as I start reaching out to that, I have a natural tendency yes. to close my other yeah. eye. Um, also, Exactly.
0: When I'm, I noticed that too.
2: I mean, steel, steel always has to be you know, beyond 10 yards just for safety reasons, but I've always closed one eye when I shoot steel, just because, you know, nothing sucks more than you line up your sights and you think, Oh, this is, this is it. This is the perfect shot. And you pull the trigger and, you know, there's no ding. And you're just looking at that steel being like, why didn't it go down? It's like, cause you missed idiot. Like,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, Oh dear.
2: Yeah. Oh. But I, I think that, uh, pretty much entails pretty much everything I've been doing for the last while, you know, throwing some dry fire in between there and, that's, that's about that, it. That
0: takes up the whole show. Great.
2: Um, oh, did I tell you guys? Did I tell you guys that I bought a a Smith and Wesson six ten? Oh, you did get it. I I did. I think yeah. I was look. I think I mentioned I was looking for one, but I don't know if I've been on since I bought one. Yeah, I found one on CGN. Uh, the guy was asking for essentially the MSRP, which was like $1,300 or something like that, except for he had it, and he had like uh, 30-something moon clips to come with it. I think it has an upgraded sight, and it also has like upgraded grips. And I thought, you know what? You know, not paying tax and getting all this extra stuff, that essentially means I can almost start shooting matches with it. That's that's a pretty good deal. So the only downside is it is a a 6.5-inch barrel. So I need to figure out how I'm going to get that cut down uh, because an IDPA, the maximum barrel length is four and a quarter. And of course that leaves us where our maximum allowed length is 4.2. So I have 0.02 of an inch of leeway space here. So I'll have to find someone to get that cut down. And uh, yeah, I saw my, my transfer went through. I'm just uh, waiting for it in the mail now, pretty much. Excellent.
1: Good stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to hear more about it when you get it. So. Yeah. Awesome.
2: So how about you, Amanda? What have you been up to?
1: Oh, you know what? I've actually been quite busy. Uh, So I ended up getting my shotgun. Everybody knew that. And actually the last show, we were in the midst of cleaning it before we um, decided to go shooting. And we were going to leave Saturday night. But we ended up, or sorry, because we recorded on Friday, right? I think it was a Friday. And so we went shooting on the Saturday instead. And absolutely loved it just uh it took a little bit to just kind of figure out the loading portion of it because i just felt like it wasn't doing what i needed to do like a couple of the buttons seemed like it was jamming a little bit but once it got going it was like great (laughs) i felt it felt really good to hold and when um it wasn't so much kickback It, it was a comfortable amount that i felt like i had good control it looks like I'm I'm really happy with it. And actually, so you that got was
0: what, the, the, the You got the so, Canuck Hunter in 12-gauge, right?
1: Yes, I did. Okay. So, yeah. And it is the right-side ejection. And I thought, I honestly thought, because I've been fighting this, you know, for so long with the idea that I thought it would really bother me having the right-side ejection. But because I'm lining up my face more to the back of the barrel rather than on the side... Um, like tucking in my my cheek, it's more because it's based on my shoulder. I'm not noticing the ejection at all. Oh, that's I really, good. Yeah, I really thought it would be a problem, but it, it wasn't or so hasn't.
2: Is, is this a semi or a pump? Sorry. It's a semi. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, uh, no pumps for me. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> uh, we have uh, one. We have one in the safe there for fun, but I'm. It wasn't what I was looking for.
2: So trust me, I but understand yeah. that.
1: <laughs> but no it definitely was a nice gun. I'm very happy for the price and for uh, the the fact that I wasn't looking for this one at all and it just kind of landed on me. I'm really happy about that. So The price
0: was good. You got a good deal on the price.
1: I got such a good deal on the price. I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better new shotgun like that. So um and that was also the same day that we decided to take the boys to the range and officially try um. Uh. Oh, what's his little gun there that he has? <sighs> it's, it's an air rifle, anyway. So, uh, but the Dawson really took to it. Uh, he did excellent. He ended up hitting the can a couple times, and he was definitely hitting paper. And he was so excited that uh, we have his first target mounted in his room. So it was super exciting. Nico was. He wasn't bad with it Actually he was uh, Once he started listening He was doing really good But his attention span as I expected Was short But Hopefully. his frustration Oh he's six Or seven sorry yeah. seven So, But the thing is he has not a whole lot of patience on anything And he was more upset that he had to share the gun He wants his own gun <laughs> so, Like you said
0: Doesn't everybody
1: <laughs> Yeah exactly <laughs> So Josh and I were like, oh, maybe we should get some little rascals, but we don't know just yet. Maybe, maybe two or maybe just one. We're not too sure. Because we got four kids, but typically <laughs> during the week we only have you know two at a time. And even so, there would only be two of us, so we're not letting them shoot on their own. So, and unless someone's sitting there going, I only want to shoot my own gun because they're all really weird about each other, touching each other stuff. Then <laughs> maybe we'll consider it then. But I told them yeah. they had to prove that they were safe and that they were doing good listening and that it's something just the same as if they want to do karate or anything else. Like you have to show some initiative. So, yeah. you well, know,
0: well, if not- you want, if you want four of those rifles, if you speak to Kevin at work, I'm sure he'll give you a deal. If you want four of them.
1: Oh, wow. That would be cool. <laughs> Definitely. Each
0: uh, can cool. kind of, have their own color, too. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. What kind of sighting
2: system's on that?
1: On Isn't the, the um,
2: aperture...
0: On the rascal? Um,
1: no, sorry, yeah. on
2: on the, on the BB gun that you were shooting.
1: Oh, it was just iron sights.
2: Just iron sights, okay. And how, yeah, did, they,
1: was...
2: how did they do with iron sights? Did they manage to grasp the concept easy enough, or...?
1: Yeah, but I would think uh, Nico would have been better if he saw where his little mark was. Because I could tell he started um, arching it up a little higher. And I think he was aiming too high into the berm. Because we were only at 10 yards.
2: Yeah. He, to see his, yeah, he wanted to see his shot hit the target pretty much.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, But he, uh, he was definitely aiming higher. Um, but he had really good... Uh, shoulder and cheek rest, okay. whereas I found Dawson did not, uh, but he was h- hitting a little more accurately, which was surprising, because I. the only thing is I could see uh, Nico lifting the uh, the end of the barrel up higher, so I could tell that he was hitting higher, but I'd just tell him to try and lower it, but he would lose his his grip, and I'd rather him get used to having the shoulder and the cheek and getting a nice tight grip in there but they did really good to um break, it, it was also a a break um break loading so it you know they break it down set it on the table run and check their target every time and every, every shot, time, every, shot <laughs> every shot but and so we that was the only thing it's like make sure nobody's ready. like wait 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 and they're like okay are we good yeah? yeah. No, it's safe. Mom, it's safe. We can go now. Okay. That was fun. It was a good time. And... Yeah.
2: I remember Leela doing that too. And it's like, you know, we can take more than one shot and just go and look at all three or five shots instead of taking one running up and like, you know, but yeah, they want to see, they want to see the, the fruits of their labor, right? They're, they're too impatient about that.
1: Absolutely, and I think at the same time, it was all if they, I don't know, are the rascals single shot, or are they, how many can they load in there? They're
2: they're a single shot gun. They're single shot. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I feel like because of that, that's why they're more apt to go and run and check each shot. I think if they had um, options to shoot more than one, then I feel they would probably go, you know, Let's just say loaded three. Then they could go bang, 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 and then run. Yeah, that's and a started. good point. Well,
2: I, I didn't really consider that.
0: Well, what you do is actually teach them how to score a target. So give them a target and say, "Okay, this target is worth hundred points. You get ten shots, and then we add them all up to see what you get." So make them go for a goal with ten shots. That's a
1: good idea. That is a good and idea. Then, I like that. And that
0: way, once once they've got their goal, they they can see their improvement because they've they've got. And I make them score them. So they can actually see their scores. And they'll see their scores go up as you teach them a little bit more and more and more. And then they've got instant satisfaction. But for fun, you know, balloons, anything that reacts instantly is good too.
1: Yes. Yes. I definitely want to try that next time. It'll be a good time, I think. So,
2: Did you do that at your club? Yeah. Yeah. Are you allowed to shoot things like balloons at your club?
1: I believe so. Yeah because uh, as i think in the outdoor range for sure
0: oh,
2: okay uh,
1: the I, indoor you just just be,
0: before we tell people to start shooting stuff for the range just check your club yeah. rules because everybody has range has different rules so you, there's yeah. <laughs> that's why i asked
2: because my club has uh paper paper steel and clay and steel can only be club provided steel you can't bring your own yeah so uh,
1: yeah, of course. So no, I. What, what, don't think really... what we did
0: at Port, what we did at Port Perry to work our way around that, we bought those little tiny paper cups and we filled them with water. It's paper.
1: Oh, it is paper. And then you can
0: just recycle them, right? That is a tricky
2: idea, and I love it, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth.
0: So you're using water. You know, you're using you're using a liquid as a target, basically, and paper. So and then it just spreads everywhere, and it's not toxic. It's not sticky.
1: That's smart. I like it. Yep. Trying to think of what else I did. Oh, that's right. I uh, participated in the uh, club's cross-country shoot. Uh, so, I only brought my Mark II with me. Unfortunately, Josh was working overtime that weekend, and I knew I would be able to... i wasn't going to have to volunteer some of my time, because Josh wasn't there. So, just just decided to bring my Mark II with me, and... You know, I didn't shoot too bad considering I. It's been at least a year, if not a year and a half, of not shooting iron sights, so on, on my rifle. So I wasn't last, so I was happy with that. I think we had 15 shooters total. It was actually not a great turnout. Usually we have quite a few, but I'm thinking the rain really held everybody out. Um, but I was I was pretty happy with how I shot. And same with archery. I was uh, happier with my groupings, but uh, when I actually came to scoring, I wasn't very good. (laughs) I didn't do very well at all, but I was the only lady shooter, so I would have won in my division anyway. So, I mean, practice makes perfect, right?
2: As Sarah says, a win is a win.
1: A win is a win, exactly. Doesn't matter if
2: you're the only leader there, you still win.
1: Yeah, but, and you know what? It was such a weird thing. I'm such a social creature, and... Josh wasn't there, and it just threw my whole way of doing things off, because usually I go and shoot with him, but, like, I did archery all by myself, and then I did end up doing um, my round with a Mennonite fellow named Eldon, and so he joined me, and we had a great conversation going through the circuit, and it was... It was definitely fun but at the same time it was just so weird and so different and usually it's brimming with people maybe that was the thing too and i was just like you know saying hi and everybody's like well where's josh and i'm like not here oh okay
3: yeah
1: and that's how the conversation went up (laughs) too so felt you had fun fun. i did have fun i did have fun and oh that that's been about it for me though i think but
2: i Sorry go ahead finish
1: No no I was just saying I would like to get out Back to the club and do some more Shooting and get back into To playing with the pistols With Josh and You know get I really Made me think that I need to work on my iron sights Again actually probably Bring out my scope as well and Just try it out and we Did find a red dot that was given to Us that we might try and mount on the Air rifle and see if it'll Work Mm -hmm. for the kids and kind of go from there. Yeah. So what were you going to say, Mike?
2: So I don't, we don't have Mennonites around here in Eastern Ontario, at least not that I know of. Um, mm-hmm. So I've never, I've never even thought about a Mennonite shooting. Were they, sorry, were they shooting a gun or a bow? Gun. A gun. So, sorry, I always get mixed up with so my... Amish. My, sorry, my, I
1: should say Amish. Okay. Amish, but sorry, still... I, I, I get well, mixed they up. Hunt.
2: I, I'm surprised though. I'm surprised that they would be allowed, like... Uh, Modern technology, for a lack of a better term, I'm surprised that they would be allowed to use a gun.
1: Uh, so no, in, they're all,
2: they're all know, hunters.
1: They're, they are all hunters, but you're not looking at you're looking at some really nice guns, but you're looking at a particular style of rifle for them. Like they're all, yeah. I mean, cause,
0: very plain, nothing fancy, and probably yeah. like wood stocks. Yeah.
1: Woodstocks. Yeah, I do see a, a few with gold plating on them. Or oh. like yeah, yeah. So I have seen that. They they take their care in, in the metalwork as well. They like um, more intricate designs on their, their pieces. Mm. Not all of them, but some of them. But, uh no, <laughs> no, and that. it's usually like um like I w I don't want to call it a muzzle loader, but one of those like tube loaders. That's the one that Elden had. It was like a little tube loader, so it's an old gun, but it's it does the job and does what it needs to do. Now, I think if he were to, I don't think it would be appropriate for them to have a semi-automatic. Yeah. Because it would be based on on certain technologies, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason why I thought, like, oh, I'm surprised. Like, I've never heard of a Mennonite shooting, but I'm also not in a Mennonite area, so. Yeah. When would, my, when would that opportunity have even come up for me? So,
1: yeah. yeah, well, actually, yeah. So I should correct myself. It was an Amish fellow.
3: Okay. So, yeah. Fellow,
1: sorry. But same, same idea. I think it's the same concept for both. Yes, with the farming community, they definitely need to keep an eye out for uh, their livestock and making sure that there's no predators attacking. So, I think, uh, and the boys actually quite a bit with the pals. The mennonite boys are always in there age 12 right away getting oh, wow. their pals hmm. yes absolutely and they get that paperwork ready to go Well, um, part of their, their
0: part of their survival is hunting it's, it's part of their, yes. their food yeah
1: absolutely it is and um they usually actually this gentleman here him and his brother usually have an annual amish shoot so and they um so they do the whole prize point but the money that they collect it goes towards a fundraiser in their community so they pick one and they advertise which one they're going to uh, fundraise for and they usually have uh, the women are cooking up food for the lunch that you can pay for as well and all that gets donated as well so it it's, sounds you, like a fun time it yeah, is a great. fun time it's a lot of fun and it's, it's very similar to our cross-country shoot Um, you know, obviously they're not advertising on Facebook or anything like that, but, uh, (laughs) it's a good old time. And he said that they decided not to do it this year because we were doing ours the same weekend that they were thinking of. So, and it was kind of last minute. So COVID has really kind of messed everything up. So, uh, but it is an event that we do get quite a bit of Amish fellows, uh, in the local area because they've been shooting, at that event in their early teens, because it's just something that they've always done. It's an event, so they really enjoy it. Alrighty, I think that's about it for me, though. So how about there's we- a lot of
0: there's a, that's one thing I like about the shooting community. There's a lot of different cultures involved. Absolutely, a lot. I know every walk of life shoots, male, female, doesn't matter what they are. It's it's yeah. nice seeing such a mix of people.
1: Absolutely, so. Uh, So I decided to pick the topic today, everybody, and, you know, coming to Thanksgiving, I decided to think about, and the upcoming hunting season, I thought about what happened to Josh and I in the spring. Um, As a new hunter, uh, we caught our first game, or Josh caught his first game, and it was time to process it. And everything about the hunting experience for him was thought out, and it was basically laid out for him. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> laid out, planned, delivered, and a beer afterwards, as I recall. A beer
1: afterwards, too. <laughs> but when it came to dealing with the bird itself and, and being able to process it, that was probably the worst experience. Um, so I thought, well, why not talk a little bit more about the processing? Uh, so I'm looking at new hunters who just got their game. Um, you always do your research in this uh, this field, and you always try and become prepared. Uh, so I just have a few questions and want to see what it is that you guys have to say. And I did do a little bit of reading, and so I'll pop in a few things that I read in general on the internet to see if you guys agree. So, uh, so. Sorry, I
2: I have a question. Um, So let's start with the first question What don't you do? What don't you do with a turkey, Amanda?
1: (laughs) Don't use a hickory knife, that's old as sin (laughs) and and dulls very easily. (laughs) Don't be afraid and um...
0: plug your nose
1: plug your nose yeah or put something put something under your (laughs) nose to smell that and and make
0: sure you have you only do it once without latex gloves I'll tell you that much
1: that's exactly what happened to me I touched it and I was like it's warm oh (laughs) I wasn't well I
0: made the mistake of of getting my hands close to my my nose and smelling it's like oh my god
1: no, you know what? It wasn't. We watched a bunch of YouTube videos, thinking we had it under control, and you know, I wish we had laid down some plastic in the garage. Um, so I, I don't know, just on the ground, make it a little bit easier for cleanup. Then there was usually the, sheet of you know,
0: plastic, and then lots of newspaper on top of that to absorb everything.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I wish we'd done that. We did lay down a couple pieces of cardboard, and then we realized we didn't have a table out in the garage, so we ended up like using his, um, I don't know, a piece of board and like two two horse stands. I don't two know. Saw which... horses. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do that
2: all the time when I need a table. I'll just take a just take a couple saw horses and a piece of plywood. Bam, table.
1: Yeah, but that was bad. That yeah. was bad. Uh, because it, I don't know, it wasn't quite level. So when we were trying to cut, it, the whole bird was shifting. And no, you need a sturdy um, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> table. I can will reduce
0: us going from one side of the table to the other <laughs> side of the table. I,
2: I am glad you said that because that is something that I would do. Yeah. Now totally. I know I am going to make sure to bring outside a proper table before I do anything
1: absolutely um so that was definitely a thing uh we def we got the the ziploc bags ready to go and so in general it was you know do we pluck or do we like pull the skin right off and we decided to try and pull the skin right off and the first half of it went beautifully. Just across, we managed to do the slice across the breast and started to pull down. But we just after we got down to the bottom of the breast, it was uh, that was really difficult and dealing with the we ended up throwing out the legs because I got so pissed off with it. I'm like, I am not gonna like pry this apart. This is not going as smooth as we wanted it to at all. You would so <laughs> How
2: come it's not going like it does in a video?
1: No, it wasn't. And I'm sitting there. I'm trying not to be creeped out. I'm trying to, like, touch the bird. Like, Josh had a little more time to process with the dead bird. Because, again, that was, like, the first time he ever hunted. So, you have a lot of thoughts, I think. Oh, yeah. So, but with me, I'm like, well, it's just a bird. It's just a bird. Like,
0: There's a, there's you know? another way to do it, though.
1: And What's the you, other way?
0: You put the bird on its back. You... St- Put your legs right beside its wings, and you pull through its feet, and you will literally turn the bird inside out. You'll get all the flesh and all the entrails, will fall right out. You don't even need a knife. You basically turn the bird inside.
3: It's anywhere. the most
0: disgusting thing you've ever seen, but you'll clean the bird without without plucking a feather. I thought. I oh. bet somebody bet me. A friend bet me five bucks once. He said, "I bet you five bucks I can clean this bird without plucking a feather." I said you're on and that's what he did he turned the whole bird inside out and all the skin everything was off all the entrails fell out and we just washed off the the carcass
1: now would that that include being able to save the tail feathers because that was one of the things we definitely wanted to do so we have the, the yeah cause tail. You're,
0: you're, you're pulling it you're pulling it right out of its skin you're pulling uh, from got the and just pulling it right out
1: so sorry yeah.
0: you, so
2: you're removing the skin then thomas right
0: Yes, yeah, oh, okay. you're pulling the flesh right, right from the, you're pulling the flesh right out of the skin. Okay,
1: yeah, I it was I, honestly
0: it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever saw when he did it, but it, it was right because all the blood comes roaring out of
3: too, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> personally, when we were making the decision whether to um, pluck or peel, the main like some people like skin or like the to make the skin crispy when they're cooking it. Um, I personally was thinking. it's a wild game they're not treated for for any kind of lice or mites or anything like that so i i don't want anything that's been on the skin so we were okay to peel it off but that ended up being a bit of a disaster and that that was that was the thing once you kind of hit one problem then you get frustrated and you're like well what do you do next so
0: yeah. Well, it depends yeah. on how you're planning to prepare. Like, say you're wanting to deep fry a turkey. Well, then you're not going to have a choice. You're going to have to pluck it, and that takes forever. So, yeah. a good thing if, if you have to pluck, you're better to, to process it as soon as possible in the field. If you leave it in your back for an hour, the feathers come get harder to pull out. Um, well, the best good. thing to do is just what you do, you just put it to, once you once you processed it, just put the whole bird in like really super hot, hot tap water for like couple minutes and then the feathers loosen right up and they're much easier to pull out.
1: Well that's good to know I didn't think about that but I didn't really want that bird in my kitchen not not gonna lie so maybe I'll get a bucket next time and and soak it in there or something like that. so but one thing I definitely was reading is that processing as soon as possible was really important uh, but what is the minimum that needs to be done then would you say? if someone was processing anything.
0: You've got to get the internals out because yeah. you've, got to, you've got to cool down the animal. And the, the fastest way to cool down the meat is take out the internal organs.
1: Yes, and that's what I was reading is that you need to process it as much as possible. Now, luckily, Josh was only 15 minutes away from home, so he was able to drive it back here and we could do everything here. But if he ends up going hunting for deer or elk or moose sometime in the future that's not going to be a thing so being able to be prepared and be prepared to do well, that so when you're hunting with, with
0: the you, big with the bigger game will happen is that you'll, you'll field dress it and then you'll quarter it and take it out but usually once you harvest it you, you'll you'll field dress it
1: okay because it just
0: you want to get rid of the weight. It's so heavy, you're going to have to get rid of all the internals because you don't want to be transporting the whole carcass through and then you have to cut it into pieces to make it easier to get it out.
1: Okay. Thomas,
2: Thomas could you define what field dressing means?
1: I was just going to ask him that, yeah.
0: Field Three, dressing basically is, uh, in the field, with say deer, you want to take out all the internal organs, all the anus and everything. Just get everything out. Um, you can leave the thorax in for now, but that has to come out too. So, so like for, if you if you if you bring a deer into say the store to be weighed in for the contest, it has to be field dressed. So all the organs have to be out of it.
2: Okay, the but you're leaving ishi. like the
0: skin on. You're not You're leaving the skin on. Because okay. what you oh. want to do is cool it down as fast as possible. So once you open up that body cavity, then the air can get in there and cool down the flesh. And you're not
2: like removing the head or anything like that?
0: No, no, you're leaving the head on. Just just okay. transporting it out.
2: Okay. Okay. So I have a question for you, Amanda, um, you said you did it in the garage and it was yeah. messy, we'll just say. Would you recommend, assuming nice weather and good lighting, would you recommend that someone do it like on their lawn instead next time? Now, assuming that, you, once again, you know, your neighbor isn't walking their kids by your house <laughs> as you're about to do this thing that Thomas <laughs> doesn't just yank this bird out of its, you know out of the skin. <laughs> um, would you say well, doing it on the grass that way, at least like the blood can just soak in the ground. And if you miss a little bit of internals, whatever they'll, you know, a raccoon will come and take them that night. And... Uh,
1: I still think I would do it in the comfort of my garage only because I feel like any, like sure you could spray it down. I'm sure in the grass, but I, it's easier to clean up the garage. I think just using a hose and, and cleaning it off, depending we, we our driveway is pretty sheltered with our two vehicles. So if we had the garage up and we needed to do something out on the grass, it wouldn't be a big deal. But I don't know. If
0: possible, it's 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 like you said, if it's only fifteen minutes away. Yeah. Do it at home because the other thing you have to consider as soon as you open it up, it attracts the insects. Especially yeah. the smell of fecal bacteria and stuff, the flies will show up instantly. So
3: yeah.
2: Well, I was also thinking about like my, because I would be hunting on my own property. Actually, I hope to go turkey hunting on my own property this year. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought like, yeah, I'm literally gonna pick up the bird and walk back to the house with it in whole, and then I'll deal with it here. And I thought, well, my original thought was I'll just do it on the lawn. That way, any mess there is, you know, whatever. Next time it rains, it'll wash away, and the raccoons will take whatever. You know, I'm not going to leave a pile there for my kids to find. But, you know, if I miss something, so what? The, you know, the animals will get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Understood. And I think in your case, that would probably work out better. Yeah. (laughs) But I would say in in my neighborhood, probably be better if I kept it in the garage still. So
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, So I guess the other, the next part of it would be tools. So, you know, basically with dealing with the turkey, it was like, have a knife. That was it. But I didn't really think about, is there any other tools that you would need um, when dealing with deer or elk or moose? Maybe a, a heavier uh, knife or?
0: Uh, look, there's, there's a product. It's called Butt Out. And it's literally, um, it's like a barb, plastic barb. You literally shove up the animal's rectum and it helps you, then you just cut around, and then you can pull out the whole rectum. It makes it a lot easier. And it's called butt out. It's, it's a plastic plug. It's like a butt plug that's designed not to come out. So it's barbed. <laughs> when you push it in, it's not coming out.
2: I well, thought,
0: so I it's for deer hunting sh- only people.
2: Oh, okay. That, that was going to be my question. Is that Can you use that on birds too or other game? Because I always thought it was just a deer thing. Uh, larger game. Okay. So any large game, like, you
0: Yeah. say. So yeah. I'm assuming uh, any size game animal in, uh, in Ontario it would work
2: okay
1: yeah and we will talk a little bit more about uh, that because of the different types of cuts that you can do and um yeah so we'll get into that a little bit <laughs> but uh, so like we talked about a, l- a couple of supplies so making sure you have baggies or making sure you have um something to put the meat in after you're you're cutting everything up um Thomas a uh, quality of knife I'm sure is really important but is there a style of knife that you blade, think blade
0: cells important this? depending what you want to do so say for example if you want to remove the the flush you want the deer the deer skin uh, a skinny knife is designed where it'll cut it and not easily pierce the interior you, you want to keep it intact You want the skin intact right yeah so it's designed to do a nice even cut so you, you keep you're not gonna puncture the organs and you'll keep the skin intact um,
2: Sorry, you said a skinning knife. If you're
0: going knife.
2: Sorry, the you problem said with, a... with, with... You said a skinning knife. What defines a skinning knife?
0: It's a very wide and thin blade. So it's 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 it allows you to slide along and, and uh do much usually it's a hollow grain and it allows you to just do a very even slice over a very long surface. Okay. Where a lot of knives say are are, are very pointed in its um uh, flat ground. Usually a skinny knife is a really thin, thin hollow ground or it can be a thin, flat ground and it just allows you to easily take the flesh okay. off the bone. Uh-huh. Then you've got bo- uh, knives are designed for boning, something to hit, hit the contact. It's Nothing's going to kill a knife more than hitting bone over and over. So if you've got, say, uh, a buck 420HC, like a, the buck 112, probably one of those popular hunting knives around. You hit the bone a couple of times, you you can have to be sharpening your knife. So it's these days, that we're, we're lucky these days because there is a plethora of high quality stuff coming out of China these days. You can get a high quality hunting knife, really good steel for not a lot of money these days. So. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a question, Thomas,
2: and I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is as a collector, but would you recommend that someone bring a knife and a sharpener with them so they can resharpen in the field or whatever as they're going along? Or would you suggest just having, you know, four knives and just be like, yep, this one's for bone, this one's for skin. And then these are the other ones to replace them as they get dull kind of thing.
0: You know, if you're doing a lot of butchering, that would be a good option for somebody new in the field. You're better off just to get a half decent knife, just one with a half decent quality sharp makes this thing. It's called a little field sharpener. It's like 50 bucks and it's fantastic. So if you have to sharpen up your knife, it's really small. Just keep it in your knapsack. It's got a diamond demonstrated side. It's got a ceramic side and it's got a leather honing. So you can just keep it in your knapsack. So if your knife, depending on the knife, you may have to use it 10 times or two times, depending how what you're processing. But you should. The only thing I would suggest is a lot of times you'll see these pull through sharpeners. You know, we sell them, Lansky makes them, you see two little carbide crosses, and those are like an emergency last use only because those things will tear your knife blade into a serrated knife really, really fast. If you do get one, I mean, one quick pull, and it's a one-time use only because they'll destroy your knives. You're better off either to just get, as I said, the work sharp system, or if you don't have a lot of money, a piece of leather put on a board. You can get uh, polish, jeweler's polish or metal polish, you get a Princess Auto for 10 bucks a stick, and you can strap it with a leather strap, and that'll bring your, your edge back again too. So if you don't have a lot of money, you can make simple sharpening devices that will you can carry in the field. If you got a little bit of money, carry the work sharp, but I wouldn't want to be carrying four knives in the field. But, you know, if you if you got them at home for processing, then that's great. Yeah.
2: Well, that's what I thought too, right? And if you're group hunting, four of you and each of you carry one or two knives, and there you go. You get a deer, everyone comes over to process it and high five and whatnot. And you have four knives available as you need them, but for the individual hunter. Um, sorry, you mentioned that the, the pull-through thing will turn your knife into a serrated knife. I'm going off topic here, sorry. Um, why did it turn,
0: like, why did it do that? depending on the steel because the carbide is so so hard and depending on, on how you pull it through um, you actually take chunks off the blade oh.
3: so like if,
0: so have, like if I you have, have a, a,
2: I've so like if you have a nick in the blade it will grab onto that nick and it will just rip it'll exactly exactly i
0: i hear you now i got you because there's all microscopic little nicks on your... If you look, no blade is perfect. And like you've actually polished it, put a high mirror edge on it, you're going to see all kinds of those serrations and cuts. And it just grabs those and magnifies them. All if you have one already. So it's... You know... I, I'll sell somebody a good knife, and they'll go to grab that. And i say, do me a favor. Only use it if you have to. So this, and I, and I tell them, it's, they're not good for your knives. Gotcha. That's good to know. Not
2: that I have one, but that's good to know I won't buy one.
0: The other thing you have to take in fact too, a lot of times you'll see these game processing kits in a, in the store and we sell them and a lot of different companies make them. So you'll get five or six different knives and cleavers and stuff. And the whole set's like 60, $70. Well, if you think about it, those knives are only five dollars a piece. You're getting a set of knives, but those mm-hmm. knives are only five dollars. Five dollar knives. So you can just imagine the type of steel that it's in those knives.
2: I'm not it a knife. I'm not a knife snob like you, Thomas. But I wouldn't buy a five dollar knife, especially if I. Well, you just don't know. You get this
0: thing. kit, and you figured it's. You figured it's a really good deal. But if if it says stainless, stainless doesn't mean anything. Or if it says surgical stainless, it doesn't mean anything. It's still butter knife steel. Hmm. So you want to get a, a decent, decent steel at least. If you don't have a lot of money, just get the best you can and be prepared just to touch it up in the field. Like I said, if you don't have the money for a work sharp, old leather belt, glue it to a piece of wood, a little bit of polishing compound. That's what I use. I've got a KME.
2: I'm surprised that that, that that is enough to keep a blade sharp. Like I always understood leather as like a final finishing product, not as a, hey, my knife is dull, let me resharpen it from scratch again.
0: You're just resharpening the edge, not the whole ed- blade. Just the actual tip is what you're only, the only part you're affecting.
2: I got I got gotcha. you.
0: Yeah, so you're not putting it right on the complete flat. So you'll just see this the edge. you Just bring the edge back.
2: I, I got gotcha. you. So if you put like a real nick in it, then that wouldn't work.
0: Yeah, no. Then then you need you need stones. You have to repair it. But if you just want to maintain the factory edge, um, I've got knives that I still haven't sharpened yet because I just run it in the straw. Well, today I used a giant mouse and with LMAX steel. And I, it's the tape that kills the stuff because you're cutting up boxes, putting them away and all the glue sticks to the edge. And every time you run it along, everything sticks to it. and becomes, cro- you know, very coarse. So I came home, the edge, was the, it was still pretty sharp, but the, the, the cutting edge wasn't there. And I just put in this drop like five or six times and it was just slicing paper like butter. So I do a lot of use at work. I just come home, just drop it up and as and it'll slice paper again, I'll put it back in my pocket and won't we'll resharpen it.
1: Okay, cool. Now, uh, so do you wear latex gloves when you're out on the field or field dressing? Or uh, is there any other supplies that you could think of that someone should be having with them? I
0: always have latex gloves in the car.
1: Okay. And Um, do you have to... I I would bring a pair. Do you, you have don't to,
0: have to, to but it's nasty you got if you had to process it without any gloves, you you need soap and water and clean up because it's really nasty and plus the bacteria and everything else it's it's much hygienic to use gloves.
1: Yeah and what about uh, like do you just leave everything else in the field there or do you rin- like do you have to rinse it out at all or just kind of leave it to nature?
0: Just if you've got water to rinse it out go for it and just try to refrigerate it as soon as you can once you've cleaned it.
1: Gotcha.
2: What about, okay. the, what about the stuff that you take out? Do you just leave that there for nature to get rid of? Yeah.
0: A lot of times I'll bury it. Because like and I hate worse than cutting through the bush and seeing deer gut piles everywhere.
2: Well, okay. So I would say that that's a good point, especially if you're on public lands or things, something like that. But in my case, where I'm hunting on, if you have your own property, do you mm-hmm. think it's fine just to leave it out there? Like, eventually the coyotes will get it. Like I'm not gonna. Well, it's also I, I just got also my deer. Good, I'm not going out
0: again. If you want to go for coyotes, it's good bait. It'll draw them in. Yeah.
1: Yes, I did hear that. So
0: now the smell, depending how close it is to the property, you you you'll you probably smell the decom.
2: <laughs> see, oh, now that's my yeah,
1: that that, that,
0: stink. That's gonna really stink if yeah. they don't eat it. Yeah.
1: So bringing yeah. a. But a shot if you got
0: lots of coyotes. Right? Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, shovels is a good idea then, too, for a tool.
0: I usually have, like, an emergency shovel in, in yep. the car, like, my, my little roadside kit. Because I've, I've got hunted public land and I see the gut piles. It's just, you know, they could have taken it, or they could have buried it or something with it. But, you know, they just leave it right beside the trail. At least they pull yeah. out to the trail, then they do it, so...
2: Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I, I understand that when you're on public lands and things like that. Yeah. It's the, it's the, the decent thing to do to at least bury it. So yeah, it's not so every, cause especially what if you're hunting in a public lands area where someone's just going to go walking, not hunting in. Right. Yes. They're not going to like seeing that and they're going to complain about it. And I imagine that that is how hunting areas get shut down.
1: Yeah, totally. Yep. All right. Well, moving on, let's look at the different uh, common cuts of meat that you want to harvest. Um, so I know I was told a lot with the turkey that the breasts are the way to go. Uh, and if you're going to use the legs, that they're very lean and 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 tough. So if you use them for uh, turkey stock, that that would be the way to go. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about because I know nothing about processing big game. And then I started thinking about other birds. So when it came to like dusk, ducks, geese, and pheasants, like I, I know I have a duck in the, the fridge. So obviously you can make a full roast out of it. But I, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts there?
0: I've never processed anything bigger than a bird. Oh, really? Yeah, I've always just I've gone deer hunting a couple times. I've never caught anything, but I'm I've always hunted uh, pheasant and grouse, oh, partridge. So I'm more yeah. of a bird hunter.
1: Well, okay. Well, yeah, So, do you usually try and make it a roast or?
0: Oh, I always roast it. But
1: like, except, like I'm I'm making a full bird, like a. Yeah. Okay. I
0: like to I get a, a deep fryer.
1: Very good.
0: Uh, for turkey, uh, your suggestion is good because. Problem with the turkey is actually a land animal. It doesn't really do a lot of flying, so the leg muscles are extremely well developed on the turkey. So eating them, okay. they're extremely tough. They're great if you want to boil them for for stock. Um, if you debone them, take all the meat off, give it to your dog. Just dog. or you actually your dog, you can give your dog the drumstick raw. That's fine too.
1: Cool. do give have... them a
0: cooked the
1: So I was looking at though the the big game so it looks like there's quite a bit that you can take out and process though and i had posted a picture but i see that it didn't go through but it seems like it's pretty generic just the same as you would a cow or or a pig or any other other piece there so you can see the roast the steak the loin there's a section just at the back of the neck and in between the leg that's good for stewing meat uh, what a lot of
0: people do, like they'll, they'll they'll when they butcher it, they'll keep a couple of prime cuts for themselves, and the rest they'll just put into hamburger.
1: Into that's the hamburger.
0: most common. Not yeah, make it into sausages.
1: Okay, very good. That's,
0: that's the most popular thing. That like if you want a couple of nice prime cuts for roasting, everything else just gets processed.
1: Okay, and like you said, you just chop it up in the quarters and, and just then quarter then put it in the grinder, there.
0: and you can do batches of, of like honey and garlic or whatever different batches.
1: OK, gotcha. So then I guess that brings up my next question. When do you get a butcher involved? Have you ever used a butcher or know people who use a butcher?
0: Uh, I have several friends that use butchers.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, sometimes they'll charge a fee to do it. Sometimes a percentage of the meat. It's between yes. you and your butcher to, uh, to figure out. But the nice okay. thing with the butcher, if, if you're party hunting, Right. All the wheat re- gets wrapped up and delivered and you can just divide it between everybody was there. So it's it's a, it's definitely more convenient. If you take it to the butcher and have them process it.
1: But because um, I was thinking, like, if you're doing big game and you you're going to make sausages out of it, that requires more supplies and more like obviously more work because you're going to have to sanitize and clean that whole process and then know how to cut your meat. And then, like like you said, like a hamburger processor, like that that can be a quite a big setup, I would think.
0: I find these days that's like a big family thing. I know quite a few people who do it. Like my friend Jim goes hunting, and he brings the deer home. His wife will deflush it. She'll cut it up, and the two of them will make all the sausages. I know when other friends will look at the kids involved and make it a whole big family thing when making the sausage. Because that's going to be your, your major food supply for a lot of people.
1: Exactly. That's fair enough. So basically, it's it's preference. If you're not used to doing that stuff, then go to a butcher, but expect a higher cost for the less hassle. The,
0: the, the processing equipment, it'll pay for itself right away because it'll, it'll cover your cost of having the butcher do it. The advantage is you're not limited to just venison. You can make sausages with anything, any yes. type of meat you can make. So.
3: That's true.
0: but yeah there, there's a lot of work especially afterwards where you have to you know decontaminate everything because you're dealing with raw meat and bacteria and everything so it, it does require work yeah i i would imagine that taking
2: pretty much any bird would not be worth taking to a butcher like just oh, hell fee, no. the fee for that just <laughs> isn't worth it like you're if you're as soon as you're getting a butcher involved you're talking about big game pretty much I,
3: yeah, yeah yeah
0: if you need to take your bird to a butcher you shouldn't be hunting <laughs>
2: okay so uh i need to make sure i butcher my bird there you go as i say mommy can you clean my bird for me no not that i was oh. planning on taking a turkey to the butcher but like you know it just it, it, it's it's good to know <laughs> you know that you'll be the laughing stock next year at the hunting camp if you took your bird to the butcher there you go
1: yeah, yeah. see i didn't know i i don't have all the answers to this, I just figured it was more like, oh yeah, you can do this. This is a big deal. That's uh, like it's
0: like somebody catching a fish and then having it taken it to the butcher to clean it. Like it's it's very simple. You're just taking out the internal organs. That's it. You're not processing yeah. anything.
3: Yeah,
1: that's that's fair enough. And yes, we were able to get big chunks out of the breast for the turkey. And I did wash it and then we froze it. Um, and they turned like, out great, especially on the. Oh goodness gracious! Smoker? Yeah, his charcoal grill. Smoker? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't no, know about smoker, but wasn't
0: the turkey fantastic?
1: It was. It really, really was. It definitely had a different flavor to it than I expected, but it was good. It was very. It's good.
0: like it's like ultra turkey. It tastes like turkey, but especially if you if you smoke it or you deep fry. It, oh,
3: it's so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is, but my family doesn't like to deep fry meat, so. Uh, I would like to try it because Josh was like, yeah, your sister wanted me to do deep fried turkey. And I said, if you do that, my mom will disown you. Don't you dare. (laughs) Well,
0: turkey on a smoker is excellent. I had some at JT's place a couple years ago, and it was the best turkey I ever had that came off his smoker. He did a fantastic job.
1: Amazing. But I think we're going to just go with traditional this year, and we'll see what happens next year. So, I'd like to try it on my own. I think, before I start feeding it to, like, 15 people. Thank you.
0: Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. If you're not yeah. using oh. it, Because yeah, it's an all-day thing. You're putting that thing on first thing in the morning, and it's smoking all day. So,
1: yeah. Well, uh, uh, I just lost my train of thought there. There we go. Bones. Uh, I
2: have a quick question before you go on. And oh, okay. yeah, um, I assume you wash the meat before you froze it. I'm assuming that's because you're handling insides and outsides and, you know, yeah. stuff that you don't want. Yeah. You want to make sure that that's completely cleaned off the meat before you put it in the freezer. That kind of reason, right? Oh, yeah.
1: It was I, very
0: I, I will clean. always wash. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. It's just it
0: if has if Even if I, if I buy meat from the store, I still wash it before I freeze it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? Before you freeze it. Yeah.
0: Well, especially, uh, if get, uh, especially if I get the, the big chicken breast pack, like multi-pack, I'll take it apart, wash it, and put it in the baggies, like break it into two-piece portions. Mm-hmm. But if I process it, if I transfer from one bag to another, I wash it. And I wash all my meat before I eat it, before I cook it. Hmm. I don't, well, so
1: yes, that's why. it was washed before I cook, yes. but
0: I got that from my grandmother. That's something that she was insistent. That you always have to wash your meat before you eat it, so. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> I'm always a big person about uh, being able to use as much as possible. So, my thoughts were about the bones, which are good for pets, if any. Um, From what I was reading, it looks like venison, buffalo, and elk are pretty good. You can either smoke them or raw is better. But I'm assuming.
0: Raw is always best for for a dog because if you cook it, it gets brittle and then you risk them punching their intestine. So, raw. I gave Colt an elk leg he ate the whole thing in like uh, sat there for like two hours and he never stopped. He devoured the whole egg. <laughs> oh,
2: and was wow. it raw or was it cooked?
0: Well, no, it was raw. It and was was raw. he was still able to just eat it. Yep.
2: And you weren't concerned about him eating a bigger piece that, like you said, would hurt him on the inside.
0: No, because it's, it's, it's soft, even though it's, it's hard, it's digest. It's not, once you cook a bone, it becomes very dried out and brittle.
1: And it's like you the whole thing, slivers it, it, and stuff.
0: Exactly, yeah. Okay. But when it's a, a yeah, a raw bone, you don't risk that. Like you can give, you can give a dog a raw chicken breast, but don't give a dog chicken bones because they've been dried out because they can definitely puncture an intestine.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All but that,
0: raw, it's soft and it's pliable.
3: Hmm.
2: What about like the small bones sure. of a bird, like and I and I air quote small bones, like a, a leg or something like that? Is that bone okay to give to them, or is it one of those things where the bone is it a choking hazard? I guess I should ask. No, not if it's raw.
0: Okay. It's when it's cooked that it becomes all the problems. Okay, I I didn't realize that. Because it changes bones the okay. bones, it it dries them out.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
0: they actually can shatter and become very brittle.
3: Oh,
2: that's
0: good to know. Like, my my neighbor my neighbor. Gives uh, his his bone his dog t bones bones all the time, and I I warn him against it because I've heard of animals getting really having me rush to the the vets. That said, raw bones are fine. Never give them cooked bones. So,
1: yeah. Uh, But that actually goes into the next topic for best pieces for stock. So, uh, because I know again we were going to use the turkey legs for a stock, um, for soup and. I know like with beef, you can get pieces of the beef marrow that make a really great beef stock. Um, I'm assuming that's part of the legs, right? Like so are there particular bones? Or do you find Well usually
0: the legs the legs would have the most marrow if that's what you're going for, because of the yeah. bigger bones basically. Um, yeah. but a lot of people will use the internal organs as well for, for broth. I personally won't eat liver or, or kidneys, but a lot of people, and they'll throw the neck in and other body parts just, just for the broth itself.
1: Yeah. I was reading this. I put, put in a, a link there. That's
0: why that's back- why you get the neck, the neck and the organs for, uh, when you buy a bird because they, they want you to use those for the gravy. Oh, oh. gotcha. Good to
2: know.
1: I did not know that. I was w- kind of wondering why they always had them in there.
0: The other thing, what I like to do when, I, when I'm making any type of broth, I'll actually, uh, bouillon cubes, I'll put a, a, bouillon, a vegetable bouillon, bouillon cube in with the
1: broth. Okay.
0: And it really gives it a little bit of flavor.
1: If, well, yeah, that's something that I would, I would enjoy, right, is to do that. Uh, but, I, again, I don't have a whole lot of experience cooking with wild game, but I do have some. And I was thinking it probably is better, like than using. You, of course, if you're having bird, you could probably use chicken or turkey gravy. Uh, yeah, it work. You know, with I with venison roast, I've used beef gravy. Um, the only thing,
0: but, the only thing you have to keep in mind with 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 wild game is that it's it's extremely lean. There's no fat in it whatsoever, so it's very easy to overcook it.
1: Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, I know I've had my my share of overcooking venison, <laughs> uh, but I mean, typically I, I season it just like I do um, a pot roast. But
2: uh, and Amanda, do you come from like a hunting family? Like, did your did your dad hunt or something like that? Is that how you got all this experience cooking game meat, or do you just no. buy venison?
1: Uh, so my family is absolutely not like that at all. They are from toronto and guelph and they um never shot guns never did hunting but i did live up north with my my ex who ended up at his dad was a hunter and so he he would give us meat so we ended up having um he gave us the deer meat and then also when i married my ex-husband uh, his family also hunts, so they ended up usually with uh, venison summer sausage. and I've also tried geese uh, summer sausage or goose summer sausage. That's really good.
2: Sure. I really enjoy. It. What is summer sausage?
1: Uh, it's like cured meat. like oh, so you would make it into a into like a sausage, but it's smoked basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but it's, or uh, salami almost. Okay. Like a salami, yeah. Summer sausage is like salami. Very similar, just different spices, and obviously with the meat, it's a little different. So, the pieces that they found that they ground up, uh, they decided to do seasoned meat and smoke it as well. So, that was always uh, fun to have at Christmas parties there at at his family's place. So, Mm-hmm. That's where I had a lot of experience there. And then um, my coworker hunts or her, her husband hunts and he likes to catch squirrels.
3: squirrels. So okay,
1: uh, squirrels, squirrels. Yes. So um, basically she she does an instapot squirrel. and she says that she gets about five of them into the Instapot and she usually does potatoes, carrots, and then, like beef broth, and what else does she do? And just salt and pepper seasoning, and she cooks it for forty five minutes or something like that in there. And it's usually just like the um the hind leg halves and a bit of the breast, okay up in the front. So I got to try a piece. So it was interesting. I gotta be honest. Okay. it was uh it was good.
2: Okay. So out of curiosity, cuz you said five squirrels, how many people does five squirrels feed?
1: Oh. Uh so she typically she would make food to feed the two of them and then have leftovers for the morning, like or for the next day for lunch. Okay. So, so... I would say it would fit feed about four people.
2: Okay. Okay, so right? r- roughly a squirrel per person.
1: Yeah, a squirrel. I would say a squirrel per person, okay. little, depending <laughs> yeah. on how fast they are.
2: Well, well so, that, that, that's a real question because squirrels are small. And I was like, you know, is, yeah, are all are. these five squirrels feeding one person or are they feeding, you know, five people? You know, it's
0: a yeah. I think it's a valid question. Yeah, oh, I do, too.
1: Absolutely. It was definitely. So the, rest,
0: so the recipe requires one squirrel per person. OK,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's. Well, you know what, and Josh tried a piece too. And I mean, would we specifically go and have squirrel again? No, but in a situation where, let's just say, we had to, we had nothing but squirrels to eat, then Heidi, hello, I know what to do. So, yeah. you know, you you can do it, and it can be done. It's just a ma- and her um, her husband does it with a muzzle, like uh, like those old. Powdered muzzleloader ones too. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he hunts. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know how he's got really good accuracy. Anyway.
3: Yeah. It,
1: it, yeah, it works out well. So, um. But I one recipe that my my kid's bus driver told me to do was before, and I wish I did it was to get Greek salad dressing or Greek marinade. Um. And when you process the meat. Put it in the bag with the Greek marinade, and then let it freeze like that. And when you let it thaw out, at least leave it out for twenty four hours in in that mixture. Hmm. And apparently, it's supposed to be so good. And I'm a big fan of marinated meat, so I'm sure I would absolutely <laughs> love that. So. And, and, and I would
0: never thought of that.
2: I would assume at that point you don't need to even add anything else to it. Like your meat's marinated. that You don't need to add anything. You just throw it on the barbecue and away you go.
1: Exactly. And yeah, so that's that was, a good idea. Yeah. I, I want to try that sometime. So I'm assuming with um, uh, pheasants, that would probably work well. And I would think, I don't know about duck. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to season duck. In, in, well,
0: duck, you've got that, that big layer of fat on the outside. Yeah. You've got, you've got all that grease. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm funny. I don't like eating the, the fat off the duck at all. So I'll, I will just, I won't even put any marinade. Not when, when it's cooked, I'll cut that fat right off.
1: Oh, well, fair enough. So what kind of a seasoning would you put on it, though?
0: I like Louisiana Creole seasoning. You can get it at the Bass Pro
1: all right that's good actually
0: just, has a selection of really nice selections of marinade and uh, spices
1: yeah and anybody tried like a, a roast goose like what do you do you season it like you would like any poultry or because i would yeah, think you, cook, it's, you
0: cook it just like a regular bird except mm-hmm. you're gonna have a lot of fat
1: just more fat yes yeah. i i've heard they're a little more greasy but Is there any, can you pre-cut some of the fat maybe before you cook it or?
0: Well, I would leave the fat, I would, I would leave the fat on because the, the problem with if if somebody who's never eaten a goose or duck, uh, the breast meat is not white. It's a muscle. So it's, it looks like dark meat. So it kind of throws people when they first see it for this time. It's the same muscle. The only difference is a bird that flies produces an enzyme that changes that breast muscle that breast muscle dark. That's why turkeys don't have they don't fly. They don't use that muscle. So you still get the white meat on a wild bird, on wild turkey, but you don't get it on and pheasant as well, because they're mostly on the ground. But ducks and goose, their breast meat's a dark color.
1: Mm-hmm. Mike, have you tried any wild game meat before?
2: I mean, I've tried stuff from the butcher. I am uh Amanda, as far as I know, I'm on the same page as you. I've never actually gotten anything myself. So no <laughs> Every time I've ever tried something, it's always just been a wild experience, and I would say that I am not the cook to ask.
1: (laughs) There you go. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Well, no, I think that there's a lot of things that you can do, and it's getting people's heads out of the box a little bit, I think. Obviously, this was a way of life at one point or another, but if you ask my mom, she will not touch Wild Game, period. Hmm.
3: Yeah, and if well, I know, tried look,
1: to feed it to her, I would be I would be hung. She would not be <laughs> first. Yeah. You Yeah,
0: it, it depends what you're you're exposed to. Um, a good example would say be Kelly Lynn from Slamfire, When yeah. she was never into hunting. She you know she she re- recognized the importance of it and everything else, but she just she didn't really have any use for hunting. Well, she made friends with Kelly Squared, Kelly Kincaid, and Kelly's a hunter. So now Kelly Lynn has her hunting license and she goes hunting. So, yep. you know, once yeah. you expose somebody to it, you know, we, 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 like she got exposed to the shootings so she liked that part, but she wasn't crazy with the hunting part. But then she had a really good girlfriend that was a hunter and that was the next stepping stone meeting a girl that, that loved passion. And she shared that passion with Kelly. So now she has her hunting license. So fantastic.
1: Yes, that's awesome. I would love to get some more recipes as we kind of dive into this whole hunting uh theme i guess is the way or culture i'll call it a culture so if anybody's got any um recipes please send them to me because i'm the one who will likely have to arrange it josh is a great cook and he he does a lot of the cooking but i used
0: to i used to have a, a wild fishing game book that was published by the pickering rod and gun club and it was just, you know, just a, a thing the club had put together. But it had fantastic recipes. And there was a recipe for an elephant in there.
3: What? <laughs> you know, just yeah. in case
0: you
2: but, come across one in Ontario. Canada, in case you South come America. across one, I
0: remember it called for like three bushels of onions and three rabbits. But the rabbits were optional. Just, <laughs> oh, it was an African recipe for, for elephants. So. Oh, wow. Different, different cultures eat different things. So Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're into African safari hunting, then that's something that you'd need to know, right?
1: Yeah, totally. I see some extra notes here. Who was that?
2: Uh, That was me. I just had a couple of questions that we had moved past, so I just wrote them down. Um, So you, you said you had a picture of a deer. I'm assuming this is like what parts of the deer are for what? you know yeah whatever yeah um send that to me and i'll make sure we include that in the show notes so head on over to newshootercanada.ca and look under the show notes for episode 225 and we will have that picture there um also so you said that you watch youtube videos when you uh for the deer or for the turkey watch those before or like during while you were trying to process the turkey for the first time
1: both We did. did Honest answer. Watched several before, but then we started second guessing ourselves as we started. So we're like, you know what? Let's pull it up. And that was more my job as I let him manhandle.
2: Yeah. The person with the right. clean hands can hit the pause and start like, okay, so it said cut this, okay, cut that, now hit yeah. play again, oh cut this next, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that's always been my plan. Sarah said she won't help with actually any of the dressing, but she's like, Yeah, I'll hit the pause and start button for you. I'm like, all right, that might be all I need you for. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a little it was such an experience. I'm I'm so glad we did, but um I I really wish we had maybe brought Jeff back with us or Jeff went in process with him because I feel like that would have probably went a lot smoother but yeah. what can I say?
0: Well, someone with a little bit more experience Well Jeff is a farmer so I'm sure he's got a little more experience processing game.
1: Yeah. Well exactly that that was kind of the the mindset I had but I know Josh has a a spot where he likes to, you know, like he's not ashamed to make mistakes and try something new, but he likes he likes to be proud when he does it himself. So, I, definitely. I,
2: I understand that, and I'm the same way, right? I want to process, or like I haven't gotten anything yet, but my plan is to process my own stuff. Now, I'm lucky that if I happen to get a deer, I at least have a buddy that lives 20 minutes away. That's him and his wife did an entire deer in their kitchen. And so, like, at least then I have someone that I can call up and either video chat and say, hey, what the heck am I supposed to do next? Or I can just say, like, hey, come on over and I'll buy you a bottle of beer or not a bottle of beer. That'd be the cheapest gift ever. I'll buy you a bottle of alcohol, like a good bottle. Come over and give me a hand or whatever. You get a leg or I don't know how much meat you actually get off. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So.
2: But I want to ask. Oh, well. Yeah. So, Thomas, you mentioned you should always do your field dressing in the field, obviously. Um, So what about in a situation like mine where I'm hunting on my home property? Should I still field dress my deer first? Or is it considered okay? Or is it even possible that it's so heavy with all its internals? And I imagine a lot more blood comes out when you do your field dressing and stuff like that. Is it okay for me to bring the whole deer back? Do I need to have like an ATV to be able to do that? Because it's going to be too heavy? Or is it like no field dress doesn't matter if you can see your house from where you're doing it do it all in the field
0: if you want to drag it the 100 yards to your house to field dress it go for it okay <laughs> but like you said it's gonna be bloody and messy you know and so it's better just to do it off from the bush so you, you, you can you are not going to have as much clean because it's gonna bleed out right yeah you are gonna oh. have a lot of blood coming yeah well
2: that would my so thought you, too, if that like that... you
0: hoist it up whatever hasn't drained out from the kill shot it's gonna bleed out on you so
2: yeah well, that was my thought too, right? If the weight itself, just from all the blood and the organs if they weigh so much, if they're half the weight of the deer, I don't know. I'm just making up numbers here. Then like, okay. It's heavy. You know, then, it's... Yeah. Cause I don't have like an We're... ATV. So if I'm bringing it back, like it's all, you know, actually, I guess I have the tractor now. I could just try, bring the tractor out, throw it in the bucket and just bring it back. Oh, that's a great idea.
0: Well, we weighed in a nice size buck the other day and field dressed. He was a 190 this... pounds field dressed.
2: Hundred and ninety-five. Sorry, that means after you've taken out the internals.
0: After you've taken out the internals, you've one hundred ninety pounds. It was a big deer.
2: Yeah. Do you know how much a deer weighs like with all its internals?
0: It could be three to four hundred pounds.
2: Oh wow! So we're almost talking ha- like yeah. half its weight is in the field dress.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, it's a lot of water, a lot of moisture in there. Okay. All the organs. It's
2: okay do you have any tips on how to get a deer out of the field um i just and i only remember this because i remember seeing you know whatever someone made a post at one point in time and it was the whole comical thing about how they were planning on bringing this deer back to their i don't know their house or their truck before they even field dressed it and they said it was like the most miserable experience ever and like you know especially with a deer with like a a buck with horn he's like his comical thing was that like every once in a while the the antler would stick into the ground and you know grrr, you know yank on them kind of
0: thing so what of the guys use they'll they'll have a pulley and a hoist and a leg spreader and they'll just lift it up in the trees and just cut it right then and there let everything drain out and get rid of all that weight and if you still got a lot of weight getting it out you're gonna to have to quarter you have to cut it into pieces
2: yeah and i understand that for but, things like a, a moose or something like that or if you have to hike a kilometer through rough terrain yeah you're going to want to cut it up but if you're just walking through you know a nice field a pasture to your truck kind of thing i imagine it's oh a yeah it would just
0: oh, a lot easier well yeah. you could just throw one of the kids toboggans and slide it home
2: Yeah. <laughs> <I'm actually, laughs> oh my god yeah, if I can't get a tractor in there, I'll just get a really long rope. And actually, you know what? I'll just get a tarp, roll it onto the tarp, and just drag the tarp out.
0: Yeah, anything anything that's slick, it'll drag out on.
2: Yeah, man, that's a...
3: Yeah.
0: I'm getting some good ideas here. <laughs> See, now now all I need
2: is a deer to drag around my property. <laughs> Preferably dead. Oh, so yeah. are you
1: planning on hunting deer?
2: Um, so, yes. Yeah? Um, I'm hoping to go turkey hunting. Now, I still need to sight in my shotgun. Um, I am going to the range on Monday with a buddy because he wants to do some pistol practice. And I thought, what a great time to go try that that carry optic with the red dot on it. So I'm hoping to go to the range then. And I figured I would sight in my shotgun. And I honestly don't know if I'm going to have time to actually hunt just because my schedule is so insane but if i have the opportunity then i will i actually oh i forgot uh, i got sarah to pick me up a, a turkey call similar to the one that josh has uh, i'm not sure what that's what it was called a, a oh no josh's was called a beard box mine had a different name but it's essentially like a hollow box with one piece and then the other part had a handling just kind of scrape it across to make the noise but i kind of thought oh before turkey season i could just do a few calls and see if i get any calls back see if i see any turkeys on so, the property and
0: so so it's it's a box call
2: I, I, I assume that's what that one is called. It looks like a box. So. I'm it come, it's called a box. Did it box come with
0: soap. any chalk?
2: It did not, but it says right on the thing that you do not need to chalk it ever. Okay. So I don't know. I'm new to this. I just kind of played with it a little bit and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that sounds like a turkey. So I got to play with it a little <laughs> bit more and make sure I get it just right. And deer is always, it's always a, you know, up in the air for me, depending on how, you know, how much I really want to hunt and how much time I have to hunt. Um, if I get lucky, you know, maybe I'll get out there this year, but, uh, is anyone else here hunt, planning on hunting this year?
1: Uh, I believe. i am seen John... about going out
0: this week.
2: Oh, you're going this week. Are you going for Turkey then?
0: No, I'm going to go for a grouse. Grouse. That sounds mm-hmm. like fun. Yeah. So I want to take the dog out. I mean, actually, I've done a little bit of training with her, but she hasn't actually been out in the field with me. Mm-hmm. And are you training your dog to flush the grouse or to retrieve the grouse or both? Hopefully she retrieves it. <laughs> oh, she will fly. She'll go, she like she she'll point on it. Okay. We'll work on, we'll see what, we'll see what happens once the bird goes down. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I haven't that... worked with any live birds yet, so we'll see what she does.
2: I forgot you have a pointer. So that, that's going to be your, your goal for the dog is to find the birds for you.
0: Just to find the bird.
2: Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, we you? have
0: never done any stuff on, on actually, I've been teaching a release But once she gets, so I'm not sure how she reacts with a live bird in her hand. So we'll see.
2: (laughs) It might take a couple before they, oh, what's it? I remember hearing what someone said, oh, they didn't have like a proper hunting dog. And they said, oh yeah, after you get, you know, two or three grouse or maybe with ducks or something like that. And the dog would eat the first two or three and then it would get full. Then it would bring the, then it would bring the bird back. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, i always thought
2: like weird. oh boy like couldn't you just feed it a big meal right before you go out or something like that but i mean i guess that's a different kind of game and i'm sure like anyone right if you go even if you're stuffed and someone said who wants to everyone still puts their hand up right so yeah.
1: i always thought that chloe would make a really good bird dog if she wasn't so old and such a pain in the butt but one time i caught her um she was outside playing with the boys, and I couldn't find her. And sure enough, I caught her in the field chasing a bird that was, for some reason, flying really low. And then she went to jump and almost grabbed it in her mouth. <laughs> and I uh, I went, Chloe! And she immediately stopped what she was doing and come to see me and sat, sat right beside me. And at that moment, I was like, ah, that's what that Cocker Spaniel breed does to you. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So are, she definitely was uh, interested in that bird and wanted it. So <laughs> that was very cool. But
0: yeah, the dogs all will naturally have a, a prey drive. So it's just a matter of drive that each dog has.
1: Yeah. Well, so. definitely had no interest in using that before, but she's too old now. She's ten.
2: Oh, okay. Um, yeah. How are you planning on trying hunting this year, Amanda?
1: No, I need to get my hunting license if I do. Uh, But Josh has, he wants to try more bird over the next year. And he really, really wants to do the pheasant hunt up in, or not up, but down in Peely Island. Uh, I guess there's a traditional thing that usually happens every year. Um, They actually um, farm pheasants and then release them. For for this particular hunt every year, oh, okay. um, yeah. So that's something he wanted. Like it's a big one that he wants to do for his big four o. <laughs> so they used,
0: they used to have that up at uh, Sybil's Point every year. They used to have yeah. that. They would go and they would. And actually, I knew the guy that sold them the birds, so I knew they released eighteen hundred birds. Well, yeah. people only took out a thousand birds. So every yeah. week. After that, my friend and I went up there and we maxed out every single time we went up there because the birds were still there. And guys are going in there without dogs. We went out with German shorthairs and we had our limit every time we went in there.
1: Oh, wow. It was
0: great.
2: (laughs) So you said you're going for pheasant, right, Thomas? Yeah. What is the limit for pheasants?
0: Last time I hunted, it was three of either sex. Um, I would check the regs because pheasant is not a native species to Ontario. Okay. so they they might have they technically there is not a a sustainable pheasant population in southern Ontario now. The only time you'll find pheasant if it's near a game farm, that's the only time you'll see them. Oh. They're basically a ground bird. They've been wiped out by the coyotes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Yeah. So sorry, Amanda, I missed something. You said that you don't have your hunting license yet. Are you planning on getting your hunting license?
1: uh i think i want my arp health before i do my hunting license um i i still need to kind of process the whole killing an animal thing i know we do it i eat meat Mm uh i that's why i feel like i want to be a part of the process and that's why i was there with dealing with the turkey because i'm like you know what maybe if i get myself used to this then the actual hunting part wouldn't bother me Right. Because really, that's in the end, the processing, I think, is way worse than the whole actually catch or like killing a deer or killing an animal. Like there's a definitely feelings that tend to happen in -hmm. those moments. But I feel like the grotesqueness of it, having to cut it up and seeing all of that, that is what I would need to build myself up to.
3: Yeah. And then
1: I think once I do that, then I would be more, I would enjoy hunting more. Yeah. But I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh,
2: oh, I understand completely because like up, like you take that shot and I mean, up until that point, I'm going to argue that it's similar to just shooting a target, but like once you yeah. actually have to process that, you actually have to like get in there and I don't want to say deal with, but you have to acknowledge what actually happened after.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. And I'm very much about, um, being mindful and respectful, uh, to what it is that we're taking and making sure that we make the most out of it. And that was the part that I think frustrated me about the Turkey was we meant to do more with it, but we felt like we spoiled it more than what I would have liked. Um, and I, cause I want to pay my full respects and only use what we need to use, right. Or, or get full use out of what we're doing. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. I have that, that whole more holistic ideal in the back of my head, I suppose. And I'm okay with trying different meats and
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm very explorative that way when it comes to food, I love food. Yeah. So I'm willing to try most foods. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Josh wasn't really a scallop eater or anything like that. Whereas I'm kind of introducing it to our meals and he's just like, yeah, it's not bad. Like I wouldn't eat it every day, but you know, it's a lot better than I expected it to be. So
0: there's, there's there's another point I should have mentioned to you about the turkey. Um, you can just, like I myself, I only eat the breast meat most of the time on the bird. So sometimes I don't even open up the bird. I can just, I'll just fillet it right I'll just cut it on skin, I'll just take the meat right off. And it's everything's it? still
1: intact. And that's it. Oh, I never Well, I know Josh really wanted the 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 tail feather and he wanted I think he was trying to get the spurs, like the feet, too, originally. And he yeah. also wanted the wings to make his own bird call, which was another uh conversation that we had and I should have put put it in the notes there. So Josh ended up taking um the wings from the bird and uh he saved it put it in the freezer for another day and he did make a bird call from it so oh excellent uh, yeah it was really really cool and i think we posted a link to that and i'll add that in there into the show notes because if anybody is multi-purpose or wants to make their or very crafty and wants to make their own uh Josh actually found it quite easy to do. it's a bit of a process because you got to clean out the marrow part a little bit you got to make sure all the gunks out. I think we boiled it twice if I'm not mistaken to get everything nice and cleaned out but he's really really happy with the results.
3: So was,
2: was that the uh, the call that you got that Josh sent this morning Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought that was I don't know, cool, interesting way to like really use all the parts of the bird. And I also thought exactly. it was aw- awesomely ironic the fact that you're literally using the bones <laughs> of the dead to call in more so that you can get more <laughs> of them. I just thought that was just the irony of it. I just thought it was fantastic.
1: Yeah. I wish I knew where it was because like it it sounds just it sounds really cool.
0: Yeah. And it sounds. See, like
1: they do a really so good you, job. So,
0: you're really happy with how it sounds? Yes.
1: Excellent. Yes. I am. I am. I think it is. It's a little a little higher pitch, chirpy, than the box call. I think. Um, the box call sounds screechier. I guess. I I don't know. Um, I mean, it's more people.
2: People buy like tons of different calls to take with them hunting. So I'm sure slightly different pitches might call in a different turkey or whatnot. However, that mm-hmm. whole system works. So, I mean, it's great to have a variety, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the whole idea was that it was, it's kind of in the mouth, and you, I think you, if you rested it properly, you could probably just use your mouth. Or, but I, I do feel like a lot of people end up using one hand to hold it as well, um, when when they're making the call. So, yeah. yep. it's definitely a cool factor. I'm glad that we were able to make something out of that. Mm-hmm. so alrighty. And of course, I lost my notes. Here we go. We're at,
0: we're at two hours and 10 minutes. This is going to be a record-long podcast oh for us. Oh, boy. Well, we had a
1: lot I to catch know. up on. Yeah, yes, we
0: did. We
3: did yeah, yeah,
1: it was to a much. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for indulging me today. So please send any feedback, questions, or comments that you may have to host at our Facebook page, or in the comments section of our website at new dot ca and uh don't forget to like us on facebook and instagram please and thank you love to see some of your pictures if you don't mind tagging us so yep. that'd be cool
2: and if you, uh, if you have any great recipes please uh put them in the comment section so that we can share them with everybody and that way everyone can get more things and i'd also like to see who else is going hunting this year and what are you going hunting for
1: I love that. Yes. I want to hear what everyone's catching this, this year. So any shout outs, Uh, Mike, I see you got a shout out.
2: Uh, Yeah. I want to shout out to all the volunteers, the safety officers, match directors, and everyone else involved in running all the matches that I went to. Uh, This is essentially, well, this is essentially the end of the shooting season for me. Everything else after this is just all air quote for fun. Not that the rest of it's not for fun, but uh, yeah. So thanks for all those people. The, the, these matches wouldn't have happened without you. And I think they all did a fantastic job. Um, I also want to thank, uh, I posted a picture on Instagram and Facebook of how I'm shooting carry optics. And I asked for some tips and tricks for, you know, getting used to the red dot and I've gotten quite a few. And uh, if you, ha- if anyone else has any, I would greatly appreciate them. Please uh, put them in the comments, either on Instagram or on Facebook. There
1: you go. Awesome. What about you, Thomas?
0: No, no shutouts this week.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to the uh, all the helpers, volunteers at the Melverton Rod and Gun. We've had a crazy few weeks. We ended up having our fish fry, and then a few weeks after that, we had our cross-country shoot. And even though we didn't have as many people show up that we expected, it still doesn't go without a lot of hard work to prepare all of that. So thank you. And thanks again to Mike and Sarah for indulging us for a visit. We were really excited to have you. And I really appreciate that you took that extra hour to come and see us.
2: Oh, we were more than happy. We were excited. We were, when I originally sent that message asking if we could get together, it was, it was like asking someone out on a date for the first time. We were just like, oh, please say yes. We just want to get together and, like, meet you in person and everything. And we had a fantastic time. <laughs> so
1: I'm glad you guys did. That was awesome. I, I know I was nervous for sure. You know, it <laughs> is like first date jitters, right? Because yeah. You're like, oh, what's but it like? It's weird.
3: What are they
2: like? It's weird, though, because we've been talking for so long. But like, it was still the first time we met in person, right? It was the first time right. that someone could actually look at you and be like, oh, you're, you're a moron. Like,
3: you know, <laughs> things that you can't tell
2: over the internet, right? So yeah, there's nervous, there's dinners about that, as silly as it sounds, even though how we're all adults and everything, but no, it was, it was great seeing you and we were more than happy. We will well, gladly anytime. do that trip again.
1: Yeah, anytime. And we'll definitely make out our way to uh, Smith Falls sometime. Yeah. That'll be good. Yeah, now that we've got that camper. Yeah. So, with the Yep. Alrighty. Well, let's head on out of here. And what about. Thomas, take us out.
0: Till next week, keep your barrels downrange and smoking and feel better, Josh.
2: Time spent <laughs> at the range is time spent with family.
1: Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Good night. Good night, Good Good night luck. everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way it look, I like the
3: shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale until I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.